press the button. <laughs> we might be live. Oh, God. Oh, there we go. We should be live now. It says you're live in big letters. Hello, everyone. It's us. Hello. The Goobers oh, from the Crimes. We're just goofing. We're just goofing about, boys. Hope everyone's having um, mm. a good evening or a good morning, wherever you are. Uh, mm. We've got a uh, topic. Wait, just make sure we are live. Just make sure. <laughs> Oh yeah, we, we, are. we, are, we are. We are. Uh, we do have a cool topic today, though, because we're going to talk about something that was pretty damn obvious to most people <laughs> who are in the Warhammer spaces. Um, if you can't do it correctly once, you can try again. Not really, because they did it pretty well the first time, though. But it's uh, Necron Lords, and we're also doing a bit of, a bit of spicy Tomb King Lords as well. Mm. People might kind of start to notice if you're own like a Warhammer forty k fan or thirty k fan. Um, there was a world that existed before, before GW decided to throw <laughs> literal yeah. horse crap at it <laughs> and ruin it. And, and so, he ever chosen all over the place. The fact that it's called The World That Was is still upsetting in oh, pain. Um, but yeah, in Warhammer Fantasy, uh, there was there was Tomb Kings before we had uh, Tomb... No, there was, was Necron Necrons Lords. Before we but, had Necrons. There was, Necron, there was Necrons at home. Uh, before we had Necrons, uh, this is so hard. Exactly the same thing. Um, the Necrons but, were very uh, after the re retcon were very much inspired by the Tomb Kings. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, but I think so. We're going to be discussing both of the, like kind of the best. Like, oh, well, basically, all we're going to discuss. Discuss. Wow, discuss all of the characters that kind of. I guess you could probably see some inspired other ones, whereas others are wholly unique and we'll be getting into some of those juicy lore tidbits you probably might see some uh themes pop up they'd be like oh that looks familiar like copying someone else's homework um but before that though i think colin we have the question of the week we do uh this week but what i'm already i'm rare excited i'm excited because <laughs> yeah, you definitely the last... said there's some spice <laughs> yeah the, uh, the last one was you know hashtag secret or and uh, it was uh, just what are some secrets in warhammer uh and uh yeah some of them you know some of, we get some pretty good ones <laughs> one of them you know lit me up a little bit do you feel uh, personally attacked i do and then there was two small extra things i wanted to throw on top of that both uh related to the topic of lighting me up because holy shit man <laughs> uh, well uh we'll go with the the first one i grabbed uh lollipop night two Hashtag secrets. There actually truly never was a second nor an eleventh legion of the Adeptus Astartes. The Emperor just can't count. <laughs> uh, when nice. Kilman, the crazed account of them all, had the balls to call him on it, the Emperor injected vague memories of a purge into the Primarch's minds. Uh, he figured maybe it would scare his sons into better compliance, too. That'd be the funniest nice. thing if they revealed that's what happens. Like, you know, they never existed. It was just the Emperor gaslighting. <laughs> Guess like because he's embarrassed as well at the end of the day. Uh at Huntsman7274. Uh hashtag secret the, the Inquisition doesn't want you to know this, but exterminatus doesn't exist. Planets <laughs> just do that sometimes. <laughs> that was a that was a real tweet thread uh where someone was like, Yeah, nukes aren't real. Yeah. <laughs> uh uh <laughs> oh, why? Someone replied with Japan just did that. <laughs> it just does that when no one's looking. <laughs> and then the, the last one, starting the topic of 
getting on my ass. There's <laughs> a uh, heir of the redeemer 2828 hashtag secrets. Marathi once met Colin at her newest fling school reunion. Sources say she was disgusted, intrigued, and overall confused. Oh my god. Oh, is that your worst nightmare? Oh my god. It hurts. Funny. It hurts especially because it's so like this person knows you. It's a true Colin fan. Oh man. Uh, and then uh just uh, one of the two extra things I wanted to throw in was Winter 8109. Uh Luther kinda was the Dark Souls 2 of the Dark Angel. <laughs> uh, so he was the best Dark Angel, easy sweet. No. He was the rushed out, you know. No diff. Although no. he <laughs> just killed the bed of chaos yesterday. I'm coming around to Dark Souls 2 being actually pretty good. Wow. It's, no. not, it's not Dark Souls. We're not gonna we're already for people listening, we've already done a live stream about a tier list of every single Dark Souls boss fight. So if you want to go to see how we all felt about Dark Souls 2, <laughs> we can go to that one. It's on our channel. And but, then, um, uh, guys, welcome. The other quick thing, you know, was, uh, you know, someone, I will name no names, uh, nothing about them, except they decided, they told me that I looked like the chicken man from Toy Story 2. That <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, no. <laughs> I did not need no. Oh my gosh. It's I not guess. even the guy who like does the really satisfying <laughs> repair job as well. It's no. the chicken guy. It's <laughs> the facial hair. Oh, man. That, that fucking killed me. This <laughs> is really That's funny awesome. though. I got the message was like, holy shit. <laughs> Honestly, how did that make you feel? I, I started laughing when I got the message. It's like, holy shit, I just got fucking executed. <laughs> holy shit, dude, good you stuff. killed him. Can I just point oh, out that um, Eli is sitting there laughing all about us in his little like YouTube pimp jacket. Yeah, 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 I got Show the, us. Look at got that. This He's got for free. Yeah, they just sent it to you. I don't know. <laughs> we haven't got one. It's bullshit. Colin's not got his pimp jacket. Yeah, where's mine? Be from shorts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, people. Chicken guy from Toy Story. DJ Beats, leave okay. Colin alone, okay? Oh, what's he doing now? <laughs> Slander. Oh, we appreciate DJ Beats. He's the, always the poll, in the chat. The poll is in the way. No, Slander, no. Let's go. People oh, need to type man. in what the rest of us look like, but please be kind. Oh, don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, if I'm getting heat like pretty, that, you guys are funny, in the shopping yeah. block too. Fuck you. Yeah. I've already had discount Mr. Beast, and I don't like. I'm like, the thing is, I'm okay with that. Like, that's good enough for me. I you think, got Mr. Mm. Beast. I got the fucking <laughs> chicken guy. We do look like similar, it. but he's a little bit chubbier. He's a little bit like oh, chubbier yeah. in the cheeks. Yeah. Or you can get well, from I've... this. It's just MF Doom, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah true. <laughs> I've been called the Lucky Charms guy many times. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, short and red hair, so what can you do? Uh, speaking of that, though, we do have another question of the week. Um, Andy, do you remember what the question of the week yes. was? Yeah. So this one is hashtag immortal. What would you do with immortality in the Warhammer universe? Mm. And we're going to say both fantasy and 40k? Sure. Yeah. Why not? Might as yeah, well. Pick, why pick, not? Pick, a, pick a universe and decide. You know which one you're going to be immortal in. Mm -hmm. Just not end times. That's the best. Not the best idea is just to run to the webway and don't. I mean, I'd, I'd say that, <laughs> but then Zinch <laughs> set up like a tent mm -hmm. in the webway or something. But Zinch would get you eventually. Nah, the clown man would keep you safe. <laughs> is it technically true to say that you'd be immortal if you were trapped in Trazin's like 
uh, Tesseract labyrinths or very technically, I guess. Yeah, you can't do much, but you're alive, I guess. Do you have a like? Does he have a percept? Well, if you're trapped in that, do you perceive time flowing or not? I think he can if he lets you. Like, there's, um, there. I'm pretty sure there's oh, a mechanic, like a tech priest, who asked for that because he just wanted to like run computations and shit in peace. Well, there was also the um, the Black Legion guys in the Hammer and Bolter episode oh, yeah. in one, and they just repeat. They go to this planet and they go, "We're going to steal this artifact from the Necrons." And every time, Trezin's like, "You can leave whenever you want. You just have to choose not to invade." And they <laughs> never do. And so they just live in a repeating loop against the Drukhari in this little cube forever. Like, oh, it's sad, but it's the Black Legion, so who cares? <laughs> we will be talking more about him uh, later, though. But I think Eli, we're gonna. Mm get straight on in there because we're going to talk about perhaps some of the the fanciest smanciest smanciest what the 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 true absolute chads of just any xenos faction although that could be argued because we have um xenos scum loving eldar fans here <laughs> <laughs> but um it's necron lawsy like take it away yeah baby now they the necrons <clears throat> are the best of the best xenos they they uh, own the galaxy rifle rulers as yeah, it should right, be bozo. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, i'm not gonna lie i read i was reading through like half of the uh nemesis antric and over in a short story and i had like five pages of notes so i decided to stop so this is a uh, zantric and oberon episode as much as it is necron lords episodes but they're <laughs> the best necron lords so you, you can't complain too much just uh, a quick for you before we start mm -hmm. there are some necron lords we're going to mention today that to our hearts utter disgust they've removed from the codex if i do yeah, believe it's, it's very sad they still have lore tidbits in the codex though like in the first few pages they're there i looked but no rules so there, these are some salt into the wound <laughs> yeah so if some some people listening if you there are probably some necron lords you probably never heard about if you're a recent um person just started playing 10th edition or you're recent to warhammer lore there are some i mean Arguably, probably more interesting characters we're going to discuss. Who, again, GW apparently just doesn't want to update their goddamn model for. So, yeah, oh, uh, man, maybe gonna... next edition they'll come back, but who knows? Oh, pain! But we're gonna get we're gonna get into it though. Yeah. All right. Well, oh, Colin's gonna die. Colin's gonna do that. Pardon me. Pardon me. Donate to the chat so you can get a new pancreas. <laughs> Don't <laughs> fucking make that the reason. No, I'm joking. No joke. Oh man. All right. Well. We're going to start at the head of the totem pole, other than the Silent King, because he's just, he just showed up. <laughs> but we're going <laughs> to... We're going to start with uh, Imhotek the Stormlord, the uh, most epic guy in all the galaxy, who, in my opinion, is the best general in the whole galaxy. No diff, uh, Ultramarines. Sorry, bros. Uh, but Imhotek has <laughs> recently risen in the... I think it was in the 40th millennium upon the crown world of Mandragora, only to find his dynasty, the Sautek dynasty, engulfed in a civil war. He was awoken by an ambitious noble, hoping to use the Stormlord's legendary prowess, but Imhotek had no time for games and slew the noble immediately, like the scrub he was. He then mustered his forces and swiftly ended the civil war, and he has since ravaged the galaxy. Uh, I believe he's carved an empire, something like he's gained like something like 80 tomb worlds. But I know Andy was telling me he found a much larger number. I don't remember what what the number was though. I think Andy it's told like me, he's got the it. tomb worlds, but he's also conquered like loads of human worlds. And he's like, I got hundreds of them. They're just like fun. Say, like, oh, yeah. I've killed everyone. That's mine now. All your resources. 
So in like 200 years, the guy is allegedly gone more planets than years he's been fighting. Uh, So very successful. Obviously not Imperium numbers, but he's getting there. He's uniting the the Necrons slowly but surely. uh, Nemesaur Zandrik calls them the taker of a trillion hands and master of 300,000 suns, which I assume is reference to the times of old before the Necrons went to sleep goes hard yeah i think my my favorite tidbit is that even the i think the katan that it was mentioned in back in the war in heaven millions of years ago even the katan i think knew of him mm-hmm. which is like crazy considering yeah. necrons were to their mindless slave robots so yeah. that's how dangerous yeah. he was he, he, he made quite the was, name of himself back in the day he wasn't like he was a general he was just like i just like doing war because i'm good at it he wasn't into the whole i want to rule but then he came back and he's like, "What are you all doing? This is stupid. Where's the yeah. king? Oh, for God! Oh, fine, I'll do it. I'll do yeah. it if no one else will." The I guess I should mention the Pharaon of the Sartak dynasty did not wake up, unfortunately. So everyone was squabbling and trying to gain the power while they could. So they actually stopped the resurrection protocols for all the other nobles. Oh, oh my what, God! <laughs> the border prince is coming with quite the take. Oh, I'm, I'm missing. I'm missing the chat. It's not showing up on my phone. <laughs> The Thank you, brother. <laughs> Regicide should have remembered his play. Holy! <laughs> oh yeah, this did not think I'd be hearing Imotex slander today. Come on, <laughs> Imotex G. He deserves everything. Uh, everything he gets. Uh, but essentially, they were squabbling for power. Some guy woke up Imotech because he thought that Imotech would help him find get the power. But then Imotech just took the armies and killed everyone, basically. Uh, and then <clears throat> got the allegiance of all the others. Uh, but anyways, more about him. It said that his voice sounds as solar carry-on tearing around a black hole. I thought that was a cool... Uh, Who's heard that it's before? Hard to, yeah, it's, it's hard to imagine what that is, but <laughs> Necrons have, I guess. So cool it would be like the equivalent is. of someone saying, that sounds exactly like shoving a human through a penny-sized hole. And you go, how the <laughs> hell would you know that? <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, when he's been, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, <laughs> but uh, he has defeated every grand strategist that has come against him with a nice emphasis on Mr. Helbrecht. Take the L, Imperial Bros. He cut off his hand. Yes, he did. Yeah, his mind is a machine of incomprehensible logic that can process amounts of information that would likely leave in even a Primarch's brain melted. That's what I like to think, at least. Uh, it's as if you took the world's greatest uh, supercomputer and you improved it by 10, and you gave it sentience and hatred for all the galaxy's life, and then gave it billions of undying warriors and a galactic empire. Uh, and I think that's a good way to sum up how dangerous the Stormlord is. I think he's does, a, he, hmm. okay, does, he, does he hate all life? I always thought he was kind of like, he just wanted like to conquer them. Rather than explicitly like kill everything, I think he's uh, not well in other ways. <laughs> if well, it's going to go into it. Basically, basically, all the Necrons hate life except for like Trazen and like a couple other ones. But uh, no, it, in in the Codex, it even says that he won't like he won't rest or he doesn't see it as uh, Necron victory until every living being in the galaxy is dead. All right, fair yeah. enough. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's. Does he have a slightly complicated relationship with that just because of his certain illness that we're going to get into? Because he doesn't see other people the right correct. Oh, that's the wrong wrong guy, Hal. That's that's, 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 that's
you were you were scared me i thought i i yeah. thought i like missed something yeah um, <laughs> i don't have notes I, on this but <laughs> am i correct in also thinking that Emotech does not agree with uh the silent king about it. he doesn't want them to be flesh and blood again he's like nah skelly boys are cool yeah i believe Stay so. as we are there is a weird divide in the necrons where some of them want to go back to the time of flesh uh and others don't but mo most of them just hate flesh in general it's the perspectives vary so drastically depending on what author is writing about them so it's kind of hard to follow I mean, sometimes they are also you know like a civilization they're not all going to be you know yeah have the same viewpoints yeah but overall all necrons even the ones who want to like go back to the time of flesh they still hate all the other living beings because they're just they're not even really sentient to them they're just rats and vermin and insects right uh we do way, have a we have a we, donation I was say we've got a donation do you want to read it out Eli? thank you ludy mcshooty for the five dollars thank you thank you when will we get a uh emoji that my phone can't show tier list for yeah okay. which god most likely <laughs> not to call you back after sex triple s tier is a certain dommy mommy all right uh it's a good question the emperor definitely doesn't call you back surely <laughs> Just like, use like... and abuse and then gone, right? You're basically <laughs> smushed into the <laughs> wall at that point. Look, it doesn't uh, matter if Marathi doesn't call me back. I'm ending it because <laughs> my life has peaked after that. Colin would prefer it that way. Yeah. I feel like the Omnicide would just go like error report 404 and that'd be it. Like, oh. mm -hmm. It would just be awkward with the Omnicide or like the machine <laughs> gone. Jeez, All um... that oil. You gotta move on, or I am going yeah, to demonetize yeah, yeah. this podcast. <laughs> oh man, uh, Tom Warren asked there says that you probably wouldn't want to go back to super cancer either. And their their goal is to live lives again and have souls. Basically, they wouldn't they wouldn't want the cancer stuff, but they uh, they are soulless, and immortality is a curse. And that's what everyone always seems to find out in stories, right? So their lives all kind of suck, but they're doing okay, most of them. Is it old law? I might be is it Xandra then? Because I thought Imatech was the one who he still perceives like his mind is broken and he still perceives everyone as like living beings. No, that's and when he just when he duels, like he thinks he's dueling like real people. Yeah, that's still Xandrek, I think. He's like, I keep, oh, I'm I still in the confused. I'm still in the war in heaven. You're like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Night time to go to bed. He's like um <laughs> Oh, like Clint Eastwood in that film where he's like he's playing the old guy who's like kind of a bit of a badass. And Grand he's like, Carino? it's maybe, yeah. And he's like, you know, it's still the Korean War or something. Like, it's just not, <laughs> God, it's not quite. Jeez. Okay. Uh, moving on though, because we do have a lot to cover. We don't have to go through. Um, his, the only downside of Mr. Imutech is his pride, <clears throat> which is a weird thing for Necron, but I mean, they all have their weird quirks that are issues. Um, but it leaves him a downside as well. Yeah, but that's not like his flaw. That his it's his fatal flaw one, is pride. Um, but yeah, but he can't I'll, I'll fight orcs that. correctly, isn't it? He can. It just yeah, takes he some gets time. Completely yeah. because he's like, this doesn't make any sense, and this mm. should make. That's sense still the most amazing. Like, orcs just never disappoint, do they? <laughs> <laughs> Truly, uh, but he often mocks his opponents uh, and makes them feel bad instead of outright killing them. Like the Helbrex thing, he cuts off Helbrex's hand and then kicks him off the bridge, and then he, oh, I'll get you next time, and then he doesn't get him next time. Another Necron W. Well, he did blow up his flagship. So like, <laughs> yes, he yeah, did. Screw you guys. Yes, he did. But that wasn't a, that wasn't a war. He still lost the war. Whatever. He had respawn. <laughs> he had infinite respawns. It wasn't fair. <laughs> yeah, I from what I remember, uh, Helbrex basically beat. <clears throat> 
the uh, Stormlord down time and time again, but yeah. Emotech was just laughing at him because he's basically the like Dermis just kept the, like rebuilding gold and... tier like regen, yeah, surplus subscription. So it just like auto fixes, and you're like, for God's sake, yeah. stay dead. And he's the second. See, he has a phylactery yeah. and a sempaternal weave, which are nice. But Mister Emotech wages dozens of campaigns at once. Uh, making complex counter moves on a distant planet while he launches a surgical strike on another. The only beings he finds absolutely frustrating, as we said, are the orcs and also chaos, for they often defy all logic and act in anarchy randomly. But uh, even then, it only gives them a tiny bit of leeway, and he often can figure it out eventually and still beat them. Uh, we have another donation. Of... Thank you. Oh, sorry. Sorry, from uh, Maple Scaffolder. Thank you for the $5. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Keep it up, guys. My favorite Warhammer channel. Bless you. When are we going to get beginner expert Caiaphas Kane? Caiaphas Kane, sorry. Love from Alberta, Canada. Oh, baby, I'm in Alberta, Canada. Nice. nice. Uh, what did you call them? Alberta Albertians Canada. or something? <laughs> Albertans. Come on. <laughs> Alberties. Albertians is close enough. <laughs> Couple of Berties. Oh, man. I, I originally thought that your message said beginner to expert Colin. And I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> we should do a beginner to expert Colin. <laughs> Or a deep dive, the iceberg effect of Colin just getting down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Caravis oh, Kane's quite a big one. So I this is his illegal activity that he really one. doesn't want to know about. <laughs> <laughs> How many books are the Caravis Kane's stuff? Seven? No, Six, seven, more than I, that. Right? Uh, I think it's like, yeah, around seven or eight. Hmm. But there, uh, there's a lot of side stories too. Yeah. So. It's the Gotrek and Felix effect. We're like, oh, it's the fun, funnest character. Oh, there's a million books. Okay. Mm. But, so, but I do want to point out one thing with uh, Emotech as well. One of his side projects is he wants to just get rid of the orcs. He's like, I don't like how they're winning. So he's like, <laughs> his side project is like, I want to genocide the orcs because they're an they're annoying and I shouldn't be losing. And I'm a bad loser. So yeah, that's. I thing. can't blame him. Uh, from what I could tell, though, I don't know if he's actually ever lost, other than. When Helbrecht blew up his ship, but he got away, and it wasn't like an actual war. Apparently, the Space Wolves beat him. Whatever. Take that as you will. I just read that. It was like one sentence, so I'm not sure. I, I would need to read the actual book. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, to be fair, the, the more you fight the Space Marines, the less and less protection you will have from their plot armor over time. <laughs> so... Eventually, yeah, the new always... armor your character plot armor wears off, and then it has to fight the space marine plot armor. Yeah, and then you... I'm just waiting for Hellbrecht Primaris to like get like round two, bitch. I'm like, oh no, he's <laughs> Primaris Cato Sicarius just uh oh, uh -oh. <laughs> but to, to elbow drop your ruin it, destroy him. Oh man, all right. Well, he, he's called the Storm Lord for the ability for him to call the dark and terrible storms that go all around him and his forces and uh, the enemies within who are lucky are struck with the green arcane lightning and, you know, atomized in an instant. But the less lucky guys uh, who maybe sometimes even leave the swarm are infected with the blood swarm nanoscarabs, which nuzzle their way into their flesh and send signals to attract flayed ones who then come and tear them to shreds. Sorry, uh, DJ beat with that. Um, God, Imotech got yeah. killed. Imotech got killed by a space wolf. Pitbull don't be, don't, don't be saying that. Don't be saying that. Okay, oh, we, have, we have two donations. Thank you guys very much. Thank you uh, so much, guys. Thank you. Ludi McShooty for the $5. Legitimate question. When is the Oniverse Inquisition? I want to see who's better at being a xenophobe. And <laughs> if you do an iceberg on Mr. No Slanesh would blush. Yeah, that would be cool. 
Uh, no iceberg me. (laughs) The next one is very appropriate. You know, you have to read that (laughs) one too. I will. Uh, We do need to do a versus episode one of these days soon. It's been a while. So, but we only versus Inquisition was one of our OG ideas, I think. So, but Maple Scaffolder, thank you for the ten dollars. Albertans for life. Please do be an expert of Colin. We will all love you guys for it. (laughs) (laughs) Iceberg effect, Alberta. Anyone in the chat? (laughs) (laughs) There's not. There's. there's not much to it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> we have Banff, though. Banff is real nice. People come from all around the world. It's going to say Galaxy. But <laughs> to <see> Banff. <laughs> but... Banff. Hmm? Oh, and, um, what is what Banff? Is Banff? The... It's a national <laughs> park. The Boonsamt for Migration und Fluxlinge. That's all I found. <laughs> it's, oh, a, it's, a, it's a... Oh my gosh, it's a park. It's mountains. It's beautiful. We have a lot of beautiful mountain stuff. I don't know what Colin here. said, but it sounded like a hate crime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, was German. it was it was German. So, oh man, hey, well, people. Yeah. Anyway, okay, whatever. I'll, we can talk. We can do. Yeah, we have to keep going. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> oh man, uh, he carries. Mr. Amotech again carries many powerful artifacts, the most important being the Staff of the Destroyer. And this staff has been passed down through generations, uh, first held by the founder of the Sautech dynasty, and is always welded by the Pharon. It can only fire after recharging for a long time, uh, but when it does, even Terminators are, you know, destroyed in front of Imotech. Upon his hand rests the Gauntlet of Fire, fairly self-explanatory. He has a phylactery and a semperternal weave, something that a lot of nobles have that renders them basically unkillable aside from orbital strike type crazy stuff. Uh, and if that wasn't enough, he also has a phase shifter. So when you shoot at him, he's not even there most of the time. Uh, overall, in my opinion, he's perhaps the finest commander in the galaxy. And hopefully we can see him go up against other guys like Gilliman. That'd be really cool. Although maybe not. Because as I said earlier, he's beat Space Marine plot armor a couple too many times. And Gilliman has the ultimate Space Marine armor. So I, it might be a good a bit, story, but he might just win. So He's a bit frustrating because I think technically he has the biggest Necron army at, like ever. Yeah, he does. Like, even the, the Silent King doesn't have dynasty. as many forces as he does. And it's like, what are you doing, Storm Lord? Yeah. <laughs> Although someone mm. did ask, is this the guy on the white scars is um, Master of the Hutton List? No, that's Zandrek. It's a different guy. Zandrek's yeah. a G. Zandrek is the G. One, one final note. If you play him on the tabletop, you are legally required to play Barry the Light from Devil May Cry. <laughs> oh, that's a good shout. That's a great shout. Oh, man. Do we, what are you guys' opinions on his new model? Because I don't really like it. I think it's fine. I think it's... Uh, like, like I think it has a problem with a lot of other more recent stuff where like, you see in like Age of Sigmar they're willing to push the envelope a little bit more whereas 40k is a little bit more safe I, I did say they were trying to honor slash recreate his older model in some capacity I think it's fine like, it could have been more yeah but it's fine uh, that's, I guess so I, I it doesn't that. even it doesn't even look like his picture though I don't like, I I see how with... genuinely sad Eli is about this. He looks genuinely upset. I, I, I think so... the trouble with like Necron models in general is because, like at a glance, if you don't know who the character is, they all kind of merge into one. So they got the green yeah. and the uh, the gold and the silver. They're all kind of like unless you have a keen eye for it, you're like, who's this character compared to this character? It's like, oh, his head's slightly different shape. Like at least with um, the Storm Lord, uh, not Storm Lord, with uh, Silent King, he's got that big bloody plinth thing he's standing on you're like oh that's like a unique thing 
but a lot of the time it's just it's a guy with a staff and it's spiky and he's got a big cape yeah. you know, it kind of looks like yeah. that other guy who has a staff and a big cape he's got lots of greens like yeah but like before his his old model you could tell it's Immotech, but now it kind of just looks like mm. a big necron lord yeah yeah, yeah. which like i mean if, like yeah. it's like if space marines didn't have different chapter colors who so like yeah this guy yeah uh his armor <laughs> is slightly yeah. bigger mm-hmm. <laughs> is that it's a marine's malevolent or yeah. is that an imperial fist We'll find out when they charge at us. <laughs> well, it was like it was like early Great Crusade. They didn't have all their armor painted, so they literally all were in gray armor. And then mm-hmm. I guess that's how Necrons are really now. So could you imagine telling apart the Space Marine Legions? You if they all had gray armor. DJ Beast called me a chaos goddess. Oh no, that's that's probably uh, Andy. I assume. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I am a big fan of chaos, though. But anyways, I think I. I mean, who else could? be as good as uh Imotech at his job like guy has supercomputer brain and the power of a star uh powering his logic engines and stuff like it's, it's pretty hard to go on to, to go against um but some of his ba- battles are so famous which we talked about in the necrons pod a long time ago uh he they're saying in idioms based off of his events for the necron tier such as gone like the kuvu which people say after you clear your plates uh, because the Kuvu dynasty was utterly and just completely destroyed mercilessly by Imhotep to the point where there was just absolutely nothing left. So when you eat all your food real fast and it's clear, you say, gone, you finished out like the Kuvu, basically. Uh, in the War of Heaven, like you said, the Katan knew who he was, but even more, the immortal god beings that were the old ones were afraid of Imhotep. So the actual gods feeling fear over a single dude. It's like saying the Chaos Gods are afraid of Cato Sicarius, which, I mean... Which they are. Can't blame him, but they don't. But they did. But they don't say that. But for a while, he spent a lot of his time uniting the Sawtek dynasty, subduing upstarts and traitors um, so well that the majority of them now just bend the knee without question because they don't want to get destroyed when Imhotek lands on their tomb world. With the reemergence of the Silent King, it is unsure how they will get along. Uh, because I've heard the Stormlord is not a fan of Zark. No. And so it'd they, be so um, cool if they did a civil war. That'd be I don't want them Ultra to do a civil war. Like, What's going on no over more. There? No more <laughs> civil war. But the, only, the only trouble is, is, again, like I know it's their aesthetic, but it's, there's so much green. It's like Anrik here is a blue <laughs> oh, Necron. Yeah. But then having like, this the green Necrons versus the green Necrons. Like, <laughs> who's yeah. I, I don't want them to have a civil war. The Necrons have enough of that stuff. And I mean, logically, it doesn't make much sense to further the dynasties. So if we're going off of the bean whose basis most of his decisions solely off of logic, I don't think he'd want to do a civil war. I, I think it would be like the angle of like, oh, the Silent King, he's trying to make us weak with being flesh again. Oh, where's he been? He hasn't been doing his job for the last 10,000 years. I've been holding the fort. I didn't even want this job. I hate this guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Knowing GW, though, I feel like they'll just try to nerf the Xenos who are beginning, who are getting too strong, so they will have a civil war, and then it'll be bad times. But because ironically, attrition is what is the worst for the Necrons, because for every I don't know one million warriors that dies, one of them can't be recalled and is gone yeah. forever. So Zahir Martinez at Emotech is currently waging a civil war against Sarek in the recent Pariah Nexus Crusade book. So. Oh, that's. Sad news. <laughs> I have not read that. The saddest part of the Necrons is that they'll never be new Necrons. 
for yeah. them as in like there's a finite number of necrons forever and it's only gonna slowly decrease because again like they all go some of them just i mean a spoiler for some other story here but some will mm-hmm. eventually go mad so yeah uh well i go into too much though now yeah so to be fair though uh they are dwindling yeah but also it was like a starfare and empire that was larger than the imperium and it's you know and where the imperium they have soldiers um but they also have citizens but the necrons every single citizen was made into a soldier so they have like trillions and trillions of stuff and like every tomb world probably has billions of uh necrons on it type stuff like that so uh you know it's not bad (laughs) Not but, quite Eldar level desperation. No, not not even close. They're they're cool. doing pretty well off, and maybe uh, Luminor's Zeris can crack the code again and get some pariahs, which would be nice. But I really have no idea. The only rival to uh, the Stormlord though is Nemesis Andrek, but he is loyal as can be, real nice guy. So Imhotep tolerates him. Moving on, though, is going to be Mister Zandrick and Oberon, the two fellows on the screen right now. My favorite uh necron characters by far they are the best duo in 40k cannot be changed my mind cannot be changed and uh yeah Zandrek is the nemesis of gadrim a world under Sawtech control he is alongside Imotech as one of the galaxy's greatest and most accomplished generals as well as a grand historian he even wrote some of the ancient manuals of war that the necrons here possessed impossibly intelligent and full of witful bravado he is a pristine noble who commands his troops with perfect efficiency despite this he is taken with the madness that we mentioned earlier uh this madness is like no other amongst his kind it seems although the neck a lot of necrons are crazy his is uh kind of it's not the worst crazy you could have and it doesn't hinder his abilities to lead thankfully but he believes himself to be still living in the times of the necron tier and he sees all the enemies as separatist dynasties. So whenever the Stormlord commands him to go to battle, he phrases the enemy as uh, dynasties. Stubborn dynasties are space marines. Reckless dynasties are orcs, etc. Yet for all his lightheartedness, even Zandrak recognizes the Stormlord's authority. And it is said royal instinct goes deeper than any engrammatic damage. Uh, so he sobers up quite quick when speaking to Imhotech. Because sometimes when he's at his little feasts, he uh, convinces himself that he's drunk, so he acts drunk, which is pretty goofy. <laughs> <laughs> it must be pretty, like, pretty wild, though, for him, where he's fighting an orc, and then this orc is like a massively muscular, you know, beast thing, yeah. and he's like, that just looks like a really buff Necron. Yeah. Or Necron tier, sorry, to him. Bro, have you been going to the gym? Where did you get <laughs> these? Jeez. Like, he's like going, like, oh my god, who's the guy who's like, was in the thing recently where he's definitely wasn't natty or something like that. Uh, <laughs> the guy who used to eat liver king, he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he thinks well, he's fighting liver king. I can just imagine Zandrek fighting <laughs> the, the crowd, just being like, "What the hell is even that? Look at these, yeah. <laughs> these thin, tiny necrons. Ugh, oh, what are they doing?" It's not enough votes for Imotech in the chat. Very sad. Oh, oh man, I'm right. uh, mm-hmm. good. Good. I was just talking about. Uh, Zandrek's condition. So, if you were gonna mention more about that, I will not open my mouth. But uh, you, yeah, you can I talk say, about it. Isn't it okay. like it's also implied like he kind of like like dementia and like he'll come and go. Like it'll like it'll get stronger. Like and then it'll go for a little bit. Yeah, it like, seems I, to be. I feel like I think I read a passage where he's like, 
even if we were, you know, undead skeleton mummies, which I don't believe at all. And I think I read like in the passage, he somehow winked, which mm. impressive. He's like, wouldn't it be <laughs> yeah. best just to, you know, make the most of it and enjoy this life of endless fun and campaigning? Yeah. Like it's I, like he does. Yeah. It comes and goes. How do you wink with no eyelids? He he manages. It. Yeah, you, Trazen... like flicker of the of the ocular uh, whatever's they're called. Oh, I think I think Trazen actually can form his body and it <laughs> smiles and shit because he's, he's a good yeah, That's creepy. Yeah. That's true, I think. Um, but yeah, I think so. I haven't finished a short story because I had already written too many notes, so I just stopped. Um, I know as well there's moments where he can also be in confidence with Oberon, like, oh, I'm not actually having moments of... Uh, oh, like, yeah, dementia. definitely. But then it's like, but are you? Are you Are you just having a lucid <laughs> moment and you're like, Haha, I'm not really suffering and yeah. it's like... Deadless for the Star Gods. That's right, moment, 101. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he... He flies his ship, uh, the carrying class tomb ship known as the Yama, which was his first successful campaign in the swamps of Yama. And this ship has very wonderful banqueting facilities. The ship is full of kitchens and sculleries with Necron commoners uh, actually who are meant to be tasters and cooks and the likes aimlessly wandering the halls with less consciousness than even warriors, which implies that warrior is not the only commoner class of Necron which I found interesting. It's always hard to tell, but I don't know. Sandrick seems to have some semblance of art left in him as well, which is very rare in the Necrons, especially they all suck at music. That's their worst thing, I think. But his grand chamber contains a ring-shaped table that is inlaid with mosaics of Sandrick's most famous victories. In each image, the oculars of the troops gleam with precious stones seized from the world they had conquered. Pretty... He likes drama and art very much. Uh, to a being that could appreciate such things, the chamber would have been near indescribably beautiful, he said. Uh, and within this chamber, he celebrates victory, holding grand feasts of empty goblets and barren plates. But he thinks they're full of wine and food, of course. These times are often accompanied by his poetry, and he calls them epilogues, as all the lords that hate his guts to no, to no end have to spitefully sit there while he recites his poetry for hours and hours and hours. Oh my god. <laughs> but, poetry slam, but it's worse. Yeah. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? It's like 12 years long. <laughs> no, what it reminds me of. Um, when Stalin was in charge of the Soviet Union, apparently he used to watch cowboy films with his like advisors, and they had to stay up till like 4 in the morning and watch them with him. Because if they didn't, <laughs> it was be like, Stalin. Oh, yeah. you're going on the list, I'm getting you killed. So they had to be like, oh, and he'd be like, cowboy film? They're like, uh, <laughs> is this, is this it's like is it Nemesor Xander? Isn't it? Is this basically the death of Stalin? But then he doesn't die. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Death of Stalin. That's they, a great they, film, by the way. Reminds me I never got to see it. Zhukov would really love Coca Cola, but it was like the yeah. symbol of American capitalist American decadence, capitalism. and yeah. you know the. Soviets. Also, um, a personal gift from I think it was Eisenhower. He got like fish tackles from him as a gift, and he prized them for the rest of his life. He's yeah. like, ah, oh, he's a great man. I have I think, these fish tackles. I think he also gave him like clear Coke, so it's like it's not Coke; yeah, it's just yeah. pure vodka. That's a very <laughs> Russian. They <laughs> nice. have a slight uh, comment, which is, well, one, they're both very weird, but um, isn't they're not related? But I think it's quite interesting that for particularly for Necron tier and like Necrons. They didn't live long, even like for people who are listening. They didn't. They would die like a horrifically like cancerous death pretty early on in their lives. 
I think maybe they lived as maybe as long as humans. Yeah, again, by like, the end was... of it, I think they lived for a while. But yeah, compared they got, to they managed to help. Beans, yeah. I, I want to say like seventy, but then yeah. like comparing humans now to like forty k humans, they've got rejuvenate, so they can live like hundreds yeah. of years. Yeah. But they yeah, didn't read Die of Old Age. Yeah, because like uh, some were alive in the time of when the Silent King declared war on the old ones, and then they were still alive after the war and when they found the Catan, which which must yeah. have been like at least a hundred years, right? I, I think see the, the, the interesting part is that for for basically a, a race that wouldn't live that long, it's interesting that they would even have time for things like art. So that's quite an interesting. Sort of character development part there. <laughs> Although every yeah. single piece is about death. It's just like, look at this Grim yeah. Reaper. I grew. He's like, yeah. yeah, that's cool. The, yeah, the art... draw last week. Oh, I've got another Tombstone. Grim Reaper. How you need <laughs> like the art was pretty much only to uh, further like royalty and show exuberance in that stuff. Uh, oh, my, my other comment, which was uh, my favorite part, is that there are some Necron. They had like Necron lords, and so in his like courtroom, he'd have. The ones like you know, master of war, master of armory, or something. And there's still, there's still something. They have like master of grain. Yeah. <laughs> for a race yeah. doesn't eat. And they're, so they're from their old stuff. I yeah. know, but that's so there's probably like some of the lords who hate him in that chamber. Oh of like, yeah, all, all I'm of the master. Of, I'm like the master of you know pet grooming or something. <laughs> yeah, even yeah. though we have yeah. no pets anymore, oh. but like that. You know, oh my god, they were like hating so much. Like, I don't need to be here. <laughs> I'm the master of pedicures. We don't have nails anymore. <laughs> yeah, my job's easy. Well, Colin, <laughs> what were you gonna say? Uh, good question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, what I was just thinking was, I don't know. Unfortunately, anyone, any of the Necron lords who hate them have to get past a certain someone. Yes, they do. Yeah, yes, they do. Which we'll talk about soon. Uh, but yeah, all the lords hate him, and they think that they should be the rightful rulers. And every time he goes out in campaign, they hope that it's the last one, then that he doesn't come back. So it's just salt in the wound that they have to then sit through hours of poetry and stuff. But they can speed up their chrono sense at least so that it goes faster. But Mr. Vargard Oberon obviously cannot speed up his sense because he has to be fully aware. So he has enjoyed millions of hours it said of talking to Zandrek. <laughs> Andy, we saw that in the chat. There's summon the monolith. Yeah. I put that Dennett, there. the best Dennett is the best character. He's a hero. Ripped in it. Twice Day King. People we hundred percent recommend reading that book. So good. Oh, I just did a small so spoiler, good. sorry. Don't worry about it. Um sorry, I was doing the chat. Um but, <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. Far worse than the lords that have to sit through this stuff are the enemy generals that he takes captive and then brings to these feasts oh uh, because it's honorable to take the enemy you know dynast the enemy general captive instead of killing them until their ransom is paid uh, and treating them to a feast after a good battle this usually includes imperial generals uh, who have soiled themselves with fear uh, with metallic ghouls speaking all around them in an incomprehensible language in the short story the one who was with them just dies out of fear. He just expires from being too scared and his heart fails. <laughs> so that's Christ. fun. Uh, but he does take captives, which no other Necrons ever do. I think there is a story mm. with uh, like a white scar and some yeah, lady. The, the master of the hunt, Corsaro Khan, gets captured and then he tries to escape. He has a scrap with Oberon with the help from the Eldar Illic Knight Spear. 
Ooh, and then Sandrake's like, Haha, I like this guy. You can go. And he's like, what? <laughs> he's like, you can go now. And he's like, I'm going to put your name in my record of the hunt. And I'll be back. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. Because you had like a dinner, a dinner with schmucks type event with this guy. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, Zandrick, I think, is definitely the most unique and the most, uh, he has the most personality of all the Necron Lords. As he's one of the only ones who ever really sees, seems to be expressing any joy and real happiness. Uh, when he meets up with an old friend whose previous beasts had been made into canoptics, the canoptics bound towards Zandrek, and he falls to the ground laughing and roughhousing them, uh, which is something Aww. not a single Necron noble would ever do. Uh, they would rather die than like be seen doing something like that. So he's still he's still pretty happy. I think he's living out of all yeah. the Necrons. He's probably the happiest guy. There was like a, a nice passage in one of the uh, Twice Dead King books where he, it's, it's when he's a Necronteer and he's just like, there was a guy called Zandrek and he was just being like a bit yeah, sarcastic and silly. And all and he's just there like grinning ear to ear with Oberon just... <laughs> sat next to, and all the Necrons like, I fucking hate that guy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You'll have, all you just have a lovely smile, my friend. <laughs> like, what a clown. Does he have a model? <laughs> or or did he ever have a model? Yeah, yeah he's dabbing. He's the dabbing guy. Yeah, he's got the yeah. dab model. Oh, yeah. He was he was in eighth exactly. and ninth edition. He's been here since fifth edition, and now he's just freaking gone for no Ugh. reason. But whatever. Maybe he'll get a new model. I don't know. But mm. oh, gone, but not forgotten. But he's extremely rip. honorable as well. Did you see a say something called? I just said rip. Oh, okay, yeah. Rip, rip, he's rip. yeah. Zandrick's probably also the most honorable Necron Lord, along with guys like Anarch uh, here. But he will abstain from things like bombing runs and using death marks because that's not in like the codes of yeah. honorable combat for the Necrons, which is pretty awesome if you ask me. He also ironically sees it as poor sport to field soulless machines um, on the field of battle. He made a comment when the Admech brought some robots to come fight him, and he was not very pleased about that. Obviously, he is a soulless machine, but he doesn't he doesn't know that, so it's okay. He often speaks to his lumbering Vargard Oberon, uh, yet expects little to no answers usually Auburn is more just there to listen and be someone to speak to as Zandrak reminisces and pours over his thoughts of strategy like I said <laughs> millions of hours <laughs> yeah he's, he's a bit, he does speak sometimes though he speaks a lot more than I would expect him to um, but oftentimes it seems as if he's speaking nonsense and that it is uh, he's in some grand trance of the past but only for Auburn to realize the goofiness had true meaning all along Along with this, when the times arise uh, in war, when important when important moments come by, his authority and clarity are undeniable and implacable. We have another yes, uh, Colin. Do you want to read this one out? I think it's uh, oh good, oh good, that's, that's good. Eldritch Raid, old one. Thank you for the five, Colin. Thank would you go thank through you. bio transfers if you kept your mind? Your pancreas still wouldn't work, but you no longer need one, <laughs> dude. If the Mechanicus was real, I would be bolting so much shit on my body. You wouldn't be able to tell where led to what. I would okay, absolutely do that. I don't know. Basically, waiting for the like cyberpunk. Dude, call me David because it. it's high time I chrome the fuck up. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why, but I just had a, wake up, samurai. A reference to the Phantom Pain uh, trailer, and just Colin going. I can still feel my pancreas. Still. Why do we oh, suffer? Man. Why do we suffer? <laughs> a little bit on that. I watched this is a couple, I guess it could be off topic. I watched Hardcore Henry for the first time the other day. That was awesome. A new new literally me yeah. character dropped. If any if you guys haven't seen Hardcore Henry, you should uh, it's a goofball. Oh, who's the uh, who's a South African guy who's like the main 
isn't he the South African actor I, I, who's because um, he's in quite a lot of films like that where it's like a bit. He's in um oh, what's the one with like District Nine? Yeah, District Nine's the one he's also in. Like you know, with, with the prawns, mate, the prawns. <laughs> fucking prawns yeah, fucking yeah. prawns in sea of africa Ooh, and... i felt a little nauseous after that movie though from all the freaking ooh, first yeah, person it, crazy it, stuff but it was real fun first person it is a bit like oh it's yeah. quite draining to watch such a goofy movie but anyways uh back to Zandrak. at times uh oberon may almost be goaded into action and to leave the side of his master um towards other threats that he sees perceives as maybe important but Jandrek always seems to catch when these threats are feints made to bring his Vargard away, so potential assassins can slay the general. In the short story, the Imperials Kamikaze Elifter closes Jandrek's command barge, bringing with it some Admech robots. Oberon requests that he may dispatch the newly arrived foe, but Jandrek claims that the Lessers may deal with such unworthy foes who are the soulless robots. Of course, a uh, small time after, an assassin appears, and Oberon realizes the attempted ploy, calling his leash's earlier remark another happy accident of nemesorial whimsy, but expecting quite the opposite. And at the end of the chapter, Xandric chuckles and asks, glad you stayed, making it all the more apparent that his eccentricities are often laced with genius. And he's, like we said earlier, he's probably more aware than he puts off to be. There have been moments when the Nemesaur faces reality, though, which we also said earlier, uh, when he was battling a severed world, which is a tomb world that's, uh, whose nobles were not waking up, so the autonomous spirit woke up all the Necrons and kind of is met going by itself, but it's like like animal instinct Necrons, kind of, just to kill things. Um, but he sees the Necrons that, they're, that they've gone to fight against, and he sees them for what they are, and he says, we're fighting us, but they're soulless, and he kind of freaks out and Oberon scries into the ship because he Zandrek stopped talking to him and he sees Zandrek crying. He's weeping, which was like sheesh. But Jesus, yeah. <laughs> that's tough. Uh, yeah. On a lighter note, though, he does not realize he realize he himself is a machine, and there are times when he relies on Oberon to do things like see through smoke, even though Zandrek's eyes could see through a thousand different spectra. But he claims <laughs> that the Vargar's eyes are better than his own, his old eyes, and. Yeah, he loves drama and theatrics, saying, what is Siege without a little theater and stuff like that. He's just a goofy guy. He's really fun. You can't not like you can't not like him. But on to the mm. greatest bodyguard in the whole galaxy. Sorry, Nork D-Dog. You're a G, but I got to mm. give it to Oberon. Uh, Oberon is a hulking and menacing warrior who has served with Xandrek since his first campaign within the swamps of Yama after Xandrek graduated from the military academy and won his commission. The campaign was so successful that the Nemesaur was gifted Gidrim. This was in the time of flesh, and Oberon was born a soldier and was a veteran at the time. He was one of the first to wake up on Gidrim after the long sleep and immediately went to learning about everything that had transpired so that he may inform his master of the last 60 million years. Very loyal servant. He has unmatched reflexes and instincts with a reaction time of a thousandth of a second, which is insane. He is patient and in control of his emotions, usually not giving into excitement or anticipation, never striking or leaping to action before the correct moment. Uh, and if he is ever elsewhere when his lord is in danger, uh, his pristine and fancy arcane ghostwalk mantle will get him right back to Xandric in the blink of an eye. It was created by Dagon, Grim Gidrim's greatest cryptech, and can tear through depths deeper than the interstices, which is what the Necrons use for normal translations. So when the interstices interstices are jammed he can still use the ghostwalk mantle which is nice he's a extremely good duelist an efficient general because he often 
orders and commands the troops for the smaller things while Xandrek just overwatches the whole thing. And he's a skilled enough politician. He's well-versed in political ploys and assassination attempts, as the other nobles constantly seek to rid themselves of Xandrek. In one instant, a lord of Gidrim attempted to deploy his death marks as a suspicious location, so Oberon accidentally overloaded the transports and destroyed them. But just like that, stuff like that, he's very, he's quite wily for just a far guard, and most, he takes a lot of lords by surprise with his, uh, well, sentience. But when he's necessary, he will also cover for the Nemesaur, because he's charged to defend Xandrek's honor just as much as his physical form. He has been decorated seven times by the Order of the Tombfly, whatever that is, and was gifted a sepulchral chamber larger than that of most minor lords. Along with this, he has his own personal phalanx of ten Lichgard, who have survived thousands of campaigns. Many have been with him since Yama and were his friends. He still considers them as brothers. Uh, most of them die, though, unfortunately. But he's Aww. not sad about it because he's... Oh. He, uh, <laughs> because uh, he sees it as they get to rest, which is what every Necron really wants. And they, as Lichgard, they're not really, they're only barely sentient. Um, so they only understand little things. And they're, yeah, you, you know, it's a very sad meme, existence. The meme of the farmer going, it's not much, but it's honest work. Just yeah. The Lichgard. <laughs> <laughs> I did find out in the book, though, that uh, they, when they're faced with, they were fighting Canoptics. And they're unworthy foes, so the Lich Guard discarded their weapons and just killed them with their hands and feet because they weren't worth like using their blades for, which was neat little neat little tidbit. <laughs> it's not worth the durability damage that I'm gonna have to repair later. Yeah. I'll just pummel them now. <laughs> it would be dishonorable to use my weapon, proceeds to beat the crap out of them <laughs> with fists. Yeah, uh, the Phalanx guys also kept purposely kept their like scars and dents and stuff instead of letting them repair as you know signs of kind of their identity which is nice Aww. oberon was once a stricter guy but he's seen so many like heresies and transgressions that he doesn't really care anymore uh but he only cares for his master's safety but every so often he entertains madness and imagines what things would be like without his master were slain or if his master were slain sorry not having to hear the same stories or parables for the thousandth time not even not having to pretend to enjoy invisible wine and drink, but without Zendrick, he is not Oberon, so his duty persists. There's a it's... big shout out to uh, Mr. DJ Beast here for once again, thank you for telling us that Colin did make the bed this time. So that's uh, we appreciate that as well. Oh, I got, we got a freaking bald joke. Eli doesn't have a widow's peak, it's more of a widow's spire. She needs <laughs> <Jesus> a lot. <laughs> Man delivering precious Necron Lord, and you do his hairline like that. Oh my gosh, you? bro! I'll you come to the, the forehead gang over here. You leave my boy alone. You leave him out of this. <laughs> Listen, you've, this is a strong forehead group. Okay, <laughs> back off. Oh man, the the camera angle definitely doesn't help. But that's funny. <laughs> oh my gosh, there I miss. If you're watching this guy who used to comment bald jokes on like all my videos, I miss you. He would. <laughs> <laughs> he would comment this like, oh, man, it's like, like with the jeans the other calls video or post he'd be like that gene stealer has more hair than you or something like that <laughs> and uh, like stuff like that and i sent it to my friends and they freaking loved it i think that's but... what's called an abusive relationship <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate oh, the man. mild abuse but we don't <laughs> want it that much oh, i gotta go through reanimation protocols for that yeah for real dude uh, well, anyways back to back to oberon uh, his skill with the blade is completely unmatched um and i've yet to see or hear anything uh, i would have to hear of him lose any duels that he's fought 
He's slain seven Kalidus assassins easily, which was Jeez. pretty baller. Uh, and it shows a still like his master. I think is rubbed off on him. He shows a display of dramaticism in the story where the assassin is creeping closer, unaware of Oberon's uh, being able to see her. She thinks he's undetected, but Oberon found her a long time ago. Uh, but he's resolved. He's responding to Xandrex wonderings as the assassin is creeping closer to Xandrex. And he says, uh, let them commit my Lord. He said, cause Xandrex was asking, uh, Oberon, what he thinks the enemy for what they should do by the enemy forces. Uh, so he says, Let them commit, my lord, in a, his doleful husk of a voice. Let them feel victories within reach, then take everything from them. Then the assassin's head snapped around at the sound of Oberon's voice, and he exploded forwards, war sweeping in a wide arc. Pretty epic. And while the assassin fight is going on, Xandric is still pondering, not even seemingly aware of the battle, bringing up a rhyme in response to Oberon's previous answers. Take a drubbing, let them advance, wait for the moment, seize your chance. And he then senses an imbalance and pins the Kalidus to the ground, defeating her. Oberon can pick out things in combat that likely space marines, even space marines could not, even highly advanced machines, I assume, could not. He can spot the tiniest little imbalances and capitalize off of them in an instant with a speed unlike the rest of his race. He also knows many ancient blade techniques, demonstrating one known as the Spearfisher's Poise, which implies the Necrontier had some form of blade traditions. More cool little history. He can slow his chronosense and maximize divination algorithms to fight like a god, uh, his words, but only for a time, as it will burn away Ingrams and take away himself. Uh, in one moment in the story, along with the things mentioned earlier, he converts half his energy to mass and rockets through the teeming hordes of warriors to soar through the air, bellowing Xandrek's name and plunging his scythe into the enemy lord's chest. And that was pretty awesome. This costs him. Zandrak, yeah. What the hell is that? You just see him barreling a... towards you. Like, what is that thing? <laughs> so he actually has like the ability to go, I'm the juggernaut bitch, and just run in. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. He actually, here's a literal version of that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he took half of his, the energy from his core flux and he converted it into mass, which like pushed him forwards basically in momentum, which is pretty cool. We have a donation again from the Eldritch, the old great one. Thank you, Thank you, friend. brother. Thank you. May I propose a trade deal? <laughs> Eli gets Colin's hairline, and Colin gets his pancreas. Bro, <laughs> I don't think I'm gaining much there, buddy. <laughs> no, come on. That's, that's, oh, no. that's a good one. Jeez. Promise, bro. Uh, I'm good for it. Oh, man. Yeah, and he's about the mask to the face like the Antioch. Bit, there we go. That'd be a scary, uh, scary Andy arc. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But doing that cost him the name of his father and his sense of taste, a small price to pay in his opinion. I could go on longer about these guys, but I decided that I should stop because we don't have all day and we have more <laughs> Tomb Kings to talk about. So I will go through the other main guys, which is Anarchir, Trazen, Orkin, Caesarus, and then how we'll talk about uh, Cesarek, the Silent King. Mm. And then Andy might have a little bit to say on Old text if he's feeling like it, if we have time. Um, yeah. Yeah. And he also knows about a bunch of weird little obscure guys. So he might, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, next we are going to talk about Anarchir the Traveler, my other favorite character who was also Yoinks from the Codex, even though his model was pretty awesome. It's very large and cool. Him. And he's oh, yeah. blue. He's freaking blue. You can't, oh, whatever. What can you do? 
My friend just uh, bought him before the codex dropped because uh, he wanted to play him against me, and then now he can't. So. Feels bad. I mean, still, can... yeah. I appreciate the picture, Andy. <laughs> and the mall wasn't glued together can... very well either. I was like, ah. Uh, he can, he can still play uh, with him. He just has to use the legends rules, which is mm. sad. But if you're just playing friendly games, you can still technically play. What it means is that he won't be in the 11th edition codex unless he is given a new model. But he did have two like little tiny short story in the codex though for like two pages, so that you know gives me some hope. But anyways, he's Anarchy the Traveler. He's Overlord of Pyria, which is in the Mephrit Dynasty, and he has the sole divine cause of uniting the Necron Dynasty to return them to their former glory. He has no care for politics or personal power, only for the betterment of his people. He is the greatest Necron noble to ever live. Um as in these at least in these times as he has sacrificed all luxury and gain just for his people but other lords hate him and see him as a brigand because anarchy is constantly going to the aid of tomb worlds awakening them and slaughtering any vermin that may be upon its surface and after he does this he demands a tithe from these forces so that he may continue his great journey these reinforcements are very necessary as his troops have been battling for eons literally and need constant replenishment those who refuse he simply takes from uh, Anarchir is well-versed in politics and extremely skilled in the courtly environment, so he can often negotiate what he needs. But he's a freaking G, dude. He has the ability to extend his mind into enemy machines and strangle the machine spirit, bending them to its will. And in this way, the enemy guns will often turn on their own forces, and chaos ensues. He's accompanied by his immortals, the Pyrian Eternals, who are ruthless warriors with thousands of years of experience. And despite their lack of higher consciousness and higher self, they are still hardened veterans, and they are loyal to the very end. In recent times, Anarchy has done a few baller things, like kill the Silver Skull's chapter master, do a little trolling. I did a little trolling to the Tau as well, because he destroyed a high fleet who was about to invade a Tau colony, but that Tau colony happened to be on a uh, Necron tomb world. So he went down to the colony, and the Tau were rejoicing and like congratulating him and so excited but then he's killed them all because like he doesn't he doesn't care uh and he later fought oh sorry we have a, we have another oh another donation. donation that's the word from eldritch thank you sir thank you brother. i know i poke fun at y'all but i love your guys content i hope you only get more success in the future idk any group is more chill than y'all well, thank you thank you we appreciate it we do we're all just here to chill out relax if you guys are listening away or painting and stuff like that just Paint, paint one for the boys right now. Yeah. <laughs> paint it for the boys. Paint one yeah. out for the boys. That's it. <laughs> paint one out for the boys. Am I right? <laughs> there also seems to be a, a big battle that happened, which I would need to read about somewhere, where Trazen Orkin, uh, Zandrik, Stormlord, and Anarchir were all a part of it, and it was against the Laytalk. Um, at least I think the Stormlord and Xandrak were there. Forces from Mandragora and Gidrim were there, so they probably were. But it's against the Laytalk and some Exodites, and Orkin, or Anrakir uses Orkin to out Farseer the Farseer and mess with their prophecy uh, and ends up taking the W. And he's also worked with Caesarus before. He's also got the best, best skirt in all of the Necron uh, line as well. His little model actually has like sort of like a skirting effect so yeah. i always thought he was a little bit of a nice kilt influence there mm -hmm. but i don't think he probably sounds scottish or anything <laughs> like that he's cool i miss him i miss him bros 
That's Shane then moved from the Travel credits with well. me. Come on, then. That's what he sounds like canonically. <laughs> Why do you think GW did remove the, like him and a lot of the laws <sighs> from the codex? Though they wanted, I, they want to make new Lose. models, I guess, but because they're they're old models, so maybe like I I I, I really don't know. <laughs> Is it to do with streamlining tenth edition? They're like, we want to get rid of these weird characters and redo them completely. Because maybe I feel like they were like, be. oh, we kind of want the Necrons to do one thing. And there's too much weird stuff, so we need to pull them back and rethink it. Mm. Or it may be like again, like they don't want to make because I get for GW. In all fairness, there's so many characters and models in the line that getting around to make even like making new ones is quite difficult. So maybe perhaps pulling older ones that they can well, really release, like a, oh, it's eleventh yeah. edition, and then you go, guess what comes to your codex? A new or revamped. Yeah. Yeah, I do know there is the conspiracy theory that uh, most of the new models they release they've had for like years and years. Someone told me that that's why the striking scorpions were so mid because they probably made them like five years ago. But I don't know, three years ahead, they said, didn't they say, like, for the people who work in the um, modeling department, they they make the model at least three years ahead of release. So then, geez, well, yeah, it makes sense because I remember. I think it was Chapter Master Valrak at the time. It was ages ago, and he was saying he had like a. It was again like a rumor thing that they're going to be good. World Eaters will be coming to Ninth Edition at the end, mm. and this was like early night, so they weren't even out. Like no one even said anything. And then again, like that was because they said they'd already made the sculpts for it ages ago, and obviously again, there's been a faction uh, release of World Eaters at the end of Ninth. So I think yeah, they probably made all these models. Now I wonder mm. which ones they've hopefully made already. <laughs> and be like, yeah. I just can't wait. Come on. I don't know. It makes me sad though. But what can you do? Or they yeah. just don't want to make any more of the model, so they would just want to get rid of inventory and then. Um, is not it also any more a case of, it, of but... they've got these new models for like Emotech and stuff? They're like, we want you to buy this. Yeah, that We're is. We're going to get rid of the old the stuff. We want you to play these at the tournament, so that more people go. That's a cool model. They buy this. Yeah. Rather than the weird blue guy, I bought Imotech for my friend who I'm gonna like paint up for him because he's got he nice. plays Necrons and his dynasty are um, I think he isn't he's not playing a particular dynasty but his like uh, paint scheme is a nice like kind of properly nice gold mm-hmm. like a nice like, sort of subtly like red gold <laughs> tint and his like orange highlights so I'm gonna try and hopefully paint Imotech up but it's this so it's delayed in shipping for so long because uh... it's so hard to get an Imotech at the moment. Dang. Oh pain! Oh we my god, another... another dono. Yeah, you can. Uh, that one's by um, Elliot Horps. Thank you, brother. He says, "Hey, Lord hey. Crimes, I won a box of heavy intercessors at a tournament, and I'm nice. converting them into eradicators with nice. melter and flame bits from the guard." Nice. I did the nice. similar thing with eradicators. I can. I want. I needed more eradicators, but I didn't want to buy more models, so I just converted <laughs> up and I just said, "These are Raven Guard ones, so they're wearing Phobos armor." But, you know, <laughs> but they're, they're eradicators, one hundred percent. I swear, mm. that's a good, uh, good choice there, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sorry, continue, Eli. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Moving on swiftly now for the last uh, last three fellas, we have Trazen the Infinite, who I think is most people's favorite. He's the mm. Grand Archivist of Solemnness. And, <laughs> and he's doing picture drawings for the uh, audio listeners. I've done all Very of them. Nice. <laughs> and he's Very been drawing nice. um, them on post-it notes, if you're listening on like Spotify or anything like that. <laughs> and I I think most of us know Trazen's story for the most part. And uh, we are going to go over Infinite in the Divine in a future episode. 
so I'm not going to like go too into it, but uh, Trazen is an eclectic, wacky, eccentric of the Necrons who's generally hated by all of them because he's such a weirdo and he just uh, he doesn't fit into the whole, uh, I don't know how to explain it. Archetype? Yeah, then he's not all obsessed with royalty and yeah. stuff like that. He's he's kind of like uh, how Anarchy is, I guess, but a but a goofball instead of like a noble noble cause type of guy. But I mean, his cause is noble in his opinion. He is holds ga- galleries upon Solemnus that contain the galaxy's history, and he wishes to preserve the galaxy and all of its history. Um, but I think some people say it's just because he's obsessed with having stuff. So I'll let you decide. But the I just got the quick wiki list for what he has in his museum and i'll read it off because might as well so according to that he has a wraithbone choir the head of sebastian thor the ossified husk of an enslaver brother castiel of the blood angels one of the shrines that had contained the world spirit of karnak oh, feels bad several regiments of katachan jungle fighters a device containing the entire high fleet that launched the tyranid invasion of the world of viris which Trazen himself had sparked in an effort to add a Tyranid exhibit to his collection, of course. Lieutenant Commander uh, Sarantes of the Ultramarines Legion, his battle brothers, and several Contemptor Patent Dreadnoughts from the time of the Horus Heresy, and Ademptus Custodes, several regiments of the Vestorian Firstborn. Bring those guys back to GW, please, I'm begging you. The Lost Regiments from Tanith, Astartes of the Salamanders Chapter, Last Lord, Castlin of Cadia, Ursarker E. Creed, never forget... Inquisitor Greyfax, I didn't know that he had her. A uh, perfect clone of the Primarch Fulgrim. <sighs> Dead. An they're not going to do anything Al- with that, by the way. They're nope, not going to do anything not. with it. I know they're not, and it's so painful. Uh, he is an ancient, yeah, uh, an ancient Eldari uh, Canaanite warrior who fought in the war in heaven. Pretty cool. A 12-meter tall Krork who also fought in the war in heaven. And numerous ancient Necrontier pots, smoking pipes, and walking sticks, including the one Trazen had used when he still had an organic body. Sorry, holy cow. We have a donation from Tom Warren. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Nice to see you. What cause could be more noble than stealing everything cool that's ever existed? Amen. <laughs> Fair. We love him for it. What's the name for it? Something Coleptic, isn't it? Or Kleptomania. Or the, you know, as Belisarius called, say, Abomination! Yes, he yeah. is. Uh, he's he's a historian. <laughs> my favorite thing about he's basically Indiana Jones, but crippled and old, but in an <laughs> body. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I do a, Notre Dame with Indiana Jones. <laughs> I do have a favorite sort of fact about Trozen, which is that he doesn't really like the Imperium, but not for the reasons everyone thinks. It's because. The, when the Imperium sort of conquered the galaxy, it basically made everything else Imperium. So all that, the little diverse little pieces he could add to his museum all got basically colonialized into Imperial stuff. So he's like, oh, you ruined my, you know, you've gentrified my galaxy. <laughs> you gentrified was, my like, galaxy. The opening of the Infinite Vine is like, God, they're so boring. <laughs> we got a pine cone yeah. on screen, baby. That's a traffic. What? <laughs> pine, pine cone? <laughs> What do you call that? A pine cone? Uh, it's a cone. Do you eat ice cream? You're like, man, that's a delicious pine cone. <laughs> what? Is it like a uh, local, is this like, the first word that came to mind? I don't know what to say. It's like in, is it everyone, if everyone here is like from South Africa, don't they call um, traffic lights robots? Do they? I think they, they call them, they nickname them robots. Like, you know, a watch out for the robots. Intelligence. 
Love <laughs> Imbominable traffic light. <laughs> Jeez, man. Anyway. We, we will talk about Chosen a lot in the future when we get yeah. to that. Uh, yeah, still video, a, so good. Still have a little bit on him. I have, so we can talk about his war gear because it's pretty unique. Oh, yeah. His greatest weapon is the Empathic Obliterator, and this relic dates back to the times of the Old Ones and has the potential for incredible destruction. It has the ability to destroy entire squads of infantry with a single blow, as the Obliterator uses otherworldly technology to send out psionic shockwaves, staying true to its name, and obliterating any similar beings within the vicinity. In this way, he need only spend minimal energy and time to reduce droves of enemies to mush. His time splinter cloak allows him to view the currents of time, making split decisions to weave through their currents and avoid attacks with ease. He stole it from someone. I don't remember who, though. And the most terrifying weapon in his arsenal are that of the mind shackle scarabs, as these little constructs uh. will burrow into the desired target's mind and take full control. Using these, Trazen can turn any he needs to his side so that they may assist him in his works. We'll talk about that in the future, too, I'm sure. And he is known as the Infinite for his use of surrogate hosts, leaping his consciousness from one Necron to another and creating multiple bodies for such consciousness to travel. And in this way, he will likely never truly die. Next up is his best buddy rival, Orokin, who is the Necron's greatest astromancer and chief seer. <laughs> he is a cryptech of sublime skill who can read the skies of fate through great algorithmic casting and star reading. He is also a skilled chronomancer, able to reverse time, playing things over and over again as he enacts zodiacs until he gets it right. This also makes him almost impossible to pin down in combat as well, although he is not generally one to fight. He is less of a general and more of a wandering researcher, similar to most cryptex, but his future sight does make him a very good commander, as he generally almost always knows what the commander is going to do next, uh, and what, what the enemy is going to do. Sorry. So he can predict that. everything that the enemy is going to do. <laughs> but regardless, he doesn't fight too often. He's a very uh, relentless fellow, though. He'll he'll keep trying for thousands of years, <laughs> as we will talk about you know, Infinite and Divine. You know what? The, I, when I think of the Necron Lords, I think of these two in particular. It's like you got all the, you got like Emotech and Sarek. They're like the jocks and everything. And then Trazin <laughs> and Orokin are like, One's from the chess club and one's from the yeah. math club. Like they're both the nerds of the guy. They're like, oh, they're the guys as they're doing their own thing and they're just bickering to say, I'm I'm smarter than you are. And it's just like, ah. But that's yeah. why we have them. Funny. Anthony says Orkin feels like an incel. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I he does kind of oh, Eli said pinecone, my fear and hunger brain got into overdrive. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But anyways, Orkin's ultimate goal, um, was, is similar to Caesaris is that he wishes to achieve a godlike form of pure energy that would rival that of the power of the Catan. And when the stars align and his divinations succeed, he may find this great power and become unstoppable for a time. He has predicted nearly every major event of the galaxy and has and was paramount in guiding the Necrons in the great sleep. And before this, though, he tried really hard to get them to not uh, go into biotransference and he told them that the Kitan were going to betray them and because he, he saw what was going to happen, but nobody believed him. Only, like Only one to speak out against It was it. like that scene in Halo 4 when the guy's like, arrest this man, arrest <laughs> him. And that was Orokin just going like, no, don't do it. <laughs> yep. Uh, I uh, I don't know if, what his rules are like on the tabletop. I, I meant to check because I have the codex, but I forgot to. Because back in the day in like 5th edition, um, you would roll a dice on all the turns, and if you got the right roll, he would uh, achieve his like final form thing, and his stats yeah. would be 
super big, but I'm not sure if they have something cool like that anymore. But his new model is pretty cool as well. It fair. is. It is. They did that one justice, and it looks like utterly unique compared yes, to he does. any other Necron laws. Big so, uh, life preserver head. Yeah, his the water hill float. <laughs> that is what I like about the Necrons because they do have some individuality still amongst amongst the nobles, at least. Um, generally, their personalities and how they lived transferred over to biotransference and kind of made them look how they look. Which is cool. Yeah, I mean the the three that stand out are obviously like Seras with big spindly legs. You've got mm. Trazim with his hunchback, and then you've got Orokin with his big head. Um, it's just the, I suppose I suppose for like a really good Necron design, you have to make it like over the top. Like we need to make mm -hmm. it really obviously different, otherwise it's yeah. difficult to see the little details. Oh, for, yeah, DJ Beast reminds me that uh, the Infinite in the Divine Book is half of it is just Orc and simping over the Cryptek lady. Yep. <laughs> the other half is him and Trazen's sexless, sexless marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. They were trying to All go right. to like they were basically trying to do a grave robbing, you know, Nefres tomb, Nefres tomb. <laughs> the... Type oh, yeah, but anyways, last on our list today is Illuminor Cesaris. Um, and I haven't, I have not actually watched Pariah Nexus, so if there's things that you guys want to add after this, uh, feel free. I feel bad for not watching, yeah, he's actually but... in a official gw animation so yeah. you can if you're listening to this you can go actually check him out on mm. well obviously warhammer plus technically but it's definitely yeah. reposted to youtube for free i need to find those, <laughs> those nice reposts i've been lacking because it looks really cool but anywho cesaris is the necron's very own mad scientist he's a complete and absolute genius uh, akin to other crazy guys like fabius and call probably more like fabius though in my opinion oh yeah as I mentioned a little bit earlier, his ultimate goal is to achieve a form similar to the Catan, as he has ever believed that his race has been on the path of ultimate evolution. He aided greatly in biotransference, making it possible with the great and terrible furnaces, as he believed it to be just another step on this ultimate journey. He is constantly researching, but unlike other Necrons, has no qualms with touching flesh. In fact, the large majority of his research is done on living beings. Um... He wishes to unlock the secrets of life, so of course, dead things won't help much with that. So these poor fellas, these poor test subjects, are kept alive by the arcane technologies of the Necrons through literally unimaginable experiments. Like, not, I'm sure our worst nightmares couldn't even come close to what this freaking guy does. Could you but, quickly explain the whole... Because he's the only one who will touch flesh. Can you explain why the others won't? Eli. It's uh, amongst, they'll love this. Yeah, well, amongst Necron royalty, it's seen as taboo generally, um, for one reason or another because they just hate flesh, but also because they are scared of getting the flare curse. So if you touch flesh, it could you know trigger thoughts like that. But it's mostly just like don't touch the vermin flesh. That's disgusting. That's taboo. Like if you touch flesh as a Necron lord, uh, the servants whose fault it was is put to death immediately I, yeah i don't <laughs> yeah. stuff like that i don't know if that was the answer you're looking for a, a good, no that's right yeah. a good parallel i think is good is when you were like seven or eight and you're like ew girls don't touch girls ew yeah, it's like <laughs> that cooties flesh. <laughs> the flesh is the flesh is unclean the, the flesh uh, is grody yeah the necrons are probably more are they are more xenophobic so they are more xenophobic than the imperium for sure i think because 
they see I mean, every single school. <laughs> yeah. They, well, I, I think they make the Imperium look like nice guys. Cause like the Imperium will at least generally talk to like Tau and Eldor and work with them sometimes. But yeah, the Necrons see everyone else as like unclean vermin who should all be genocided and destroyed and killed. So that yeah. does remind me of the fact that it, it's a small part of the, the infinite and divine, but it's just a very small segment of when the humans settle on one of the old Eldari worlds and then Trazen translates like the Eldari building that they've built around and it's a sewer. <laughs> it's an Eldar <laughs> sewer. And then they go and he's like Liddy, his whole thing like should be like, oh, that's disgusting. Mm. The, yeah. the idea of them like touching anything like waste or human or like even blood, yeah. they're like Liddy like, oh yuck, you've touched flesh. Even, even in the Necron tier days, they hated plumbing and uh excrement and stuff. Um yeah, and that, that was what you'd be. About it. Yeah, that, that's what you'd be put to death. <laughs> Meanwhile, for, on Ultramar, they've got like the vinegar sponge on a stick. And they're like, What's the problem, guys? <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's the it's yeah. the communal ultramarine, you know, shit stick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's the because it's got an Ultramar symbol on it. <laughs> but, the uh, Ultramar yeah. sponge. Oh man, I well maybe more on that another day, I guess. Uh... But I'll be making a big Necrons video soon. I feel like I know way too much about these guys but anyways shout uh, to back to the shout to who favorite line in the infinite vine you stupid bastards you guys <laughs> box seats to a coup <laughs> so awesome it's a good book you should all read it all, all the necron books are good honestly maybe the one with kato sicarius is pretty mid but you know that's to be expected because we all know what happens when Kato Sakaris is there. Guy 1v1's a monolith and freaking wins, but, you know, it's, it doesn't matter. It, do, it doesn't matter. Oh, where, where where was I? Was Mr. Zeris. Ah, yeah. These, the poor test subjects are being kept alive through unimaginable experience uh, experiments, which are like, for sure, I can guarantee they're worse than the stuff Fabius does, because at least you'll probably eventually die when you're with Fabius. But the people who are with Zeris, he keeps, along, he keeps alive for a, quite a while. You could be in there for years getting freaking amputated and worked on and stuff and just ugh, horrible. Uh, and but when their screams get too annoying, he'll just turn off his audio transducers and, you know, doesn't care. With the many secrets uh, that his research has unlocked, he applies to his legions and other nobles' armies for a price, of course. This is blasphemy to an insane degree, but Cesarus doesn't really care. And he often takes Xenos biology and integrates it into his armies. Not like putting eyeballs into Necron warriors and stuff, but like researching an eyeball and taking patterns and stuff from that and then upgrading his guys to have similar patterns to the Xenos eyeball. Things like that. Uh, he's also said to create pariahs, which have been kind of retconned and messed around with, but they haven't been, a, they weren't like officially retconned. They still kind of are in the lore sort of but it's hard to tell but pariahs were essentially in the third edition necron stuff uh human blanks who would then be put through biotransference they would still have some of their organs ooh, excuse me in their body but they gave off the blank aura which made them very strong because they had necrodermis bodies still as well um and rumors say that caesarus either planted the pariah gene in humanity because some people think that the necrons put the pariah gene in humanity so that when they wake up in 60 million years, they'll have a tool to use, to use against the Eldar and against Psykers. Um, some people say that he tampered with the DNA and genes of the Kalexis assassin temple, the Null guys. That is the right one, right? 
I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. Yeah, and he supposedly gave some of them like sleeper agent genes to eventually wake up and go to his tomb world, essentially. Uh, but he's also done the Pry Nexus stuff, and that has Pry in the name. So I, <laughs> I don't really know what happened with all of it, but it's there. If anyone knows the particular lore, if there's uh, anything important, the, the work he's doing with the Pariah Nexus is he's like trying to find a way to get them back into like fleshy bodies. So that's mm-hmm. like Sarex, like my man, I need you to work on your project to make us back into skin bags. And he's like, yeah, gotcha. Gonna mm-hmm. have to catch some humans, do some experiments, and it's not going great. Uh, prior Nexus show is only like three episodes, so it's not very long. It's like an hour. Mm. Um, he's doing some experiments. That's kind of it. There's, <laughs> there's like not any real Fair. plot to it. Well, there's no lore to it. I know they're doing another spin-off with Sakan, who's the salamander in the series, because uh, mm. he does a stare down with Seras, and he's like, intriguing. You are a worthless human. Lol. And he just... And he, he has this whole thing about like he gets a death mark to try and assassinate him and there's a point where he, he does like a, a parallel to like the afterlife and religion he's like he has like this head twitch he's like do not use such unscientific terms around me mm, like, that's All right, where the memes from edgy atheist <laughs> here we go <laughs> nice <laughs> but yeah that's that's the main necron lords i don't know if i forgot anybody i'm pretty sure i didn't uh we can pull the count from Anthony. Uh, oh my God! Paying for college. Anthony. Thank you. Love you, brother. Holy cow! For a hundred dollars. Thank you. Um, as someone who just bought the Old World Tomb King box, yes. and also has Necrons. Good taste. Yeah. I can't decide which of them is more petty. <laughs> uh, but then I remember the Bretonia right. episode, and remember it's neither. Uh, then in fact, Colin is the pettiest one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Always a pleasure to catch y'all live. Thank you. Bless you, Thank brother. You Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm glad this episode has become the let's all take pot shots at Colin. Got the hairlines, faces, <laughs> things that don't work 100%. Oh, Everyone's catching the strays. Oh, well, it's a good time. We very much appreciate it. You guys Ooh. keep us You guys keep us fed and alive. So Yes. Thank nice. you so much. What about right. the man himself? Ah, yeah. That's I that's, will uh, take over for the sure last. Is, little... Sure is art. <laughs> for, for reference, Andy has yeah. done for all of this. Like he's he... drawn little pictures of all the <laughs> Necron lords uh, we've been talking about. Um, <laughs> but take giving the bird. <laughs> <laughs> but having said that, though, we're going to speak about Zarek, the Silent King, and unfortunately, as much as he's like technically the leader of all the Necrons. He doesn't actually have that much lore, which is kind of annoying. Yeah. Although he is a pretty sick tabletop model. And um they go so cool. It does. He got big throne, big throne go hard. And uh he's yeah, he's sort of around, but he doesn't unfortunately he doesn't have quite as much personality as the rest of these uh boys. But his lore is essentially like quiet. he is Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> well, we're gonna get into that, yeah. <laughs> So he is Zarek of the Zarekin dynasty, perhaps the only one who has like one named after him. Um, or maybe not named after him, but named after his... Oh, he's named after the dynasty. We're not really sure. Um, but he's also known as the Silent King because, as we probably might have all guessed, the Silent King is quite silent. He actually doesn't communicate with um, anyone he's talking to. He kind of whispers slightly to his Triarch Council, which you'll notice on his model, the ones who kind of sit like either side of him. They're kind of like the slot, the basically like the bitches of the throne. They sort of sit there and look intimidating, but they just have to do what he says. And Zarek is famous because 
as much as in Necron history, um, a lot of like the Necron lords, like the diff the different dynasties would take over being a silent king. And the last one would be Sarek himself, and he'd be the one who agreed to essentially the Catan's deal of the biotransference, which, again, was a bit of a goof up because it kind of enslaved his people, murdered all of the Necron tier, and turned them into the Necrons. And so there's never going to be a new Necron. And they basically were enslaved to the Catan for the massive war in heaven where they fought the old ones, the Eldar, the Krork, probably some... Probably some aliens hey. that we've never hey. heard of. We won. <laughs> we we thought we 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 represented in the end though. Um but it wasn't like the Super Bowl, so we couldn't keep coming back every year and trying again. You know, this is like one big, big old war. And unfortunately it just it just went poorly and he kind of he was given like the command protocol to uh he basically was pretty much the slave master of all of the Necrons and he basically couldn't fight against the Catan because they were so powerful. Eventually, the War in Heaven did sort of reach a point where the old ones were basically defeated and the Catan were starting to battle themselves. Thank you, Kegarak, I believe, who tricked them into fighting themselves and eating each other. The first and of many Eldar dubs. The first yeah. of many. The first of the million-year rule of the Eldari after this. Um, but this eventually triggered um, Zarek to go with like a plan he'd been working on forever. He had built he asked and secretly in you know packs with other like necrons he built machines and weapons that even to this day they will not touch i think one of them is owned by illuminator saris oh, what's his name is zarek not zarek um cesaris cesaris cesaric and cesaris are basically oh, get confused. Yeah, saras and saras <laughs> yeah he gave, he gave him like a weapon where like it's like a a map of the galaxy but if he touches it it basically interferes oh, with the galaxy yeah, I can't remember which dynasty has that. Yeah, but it's just like if you just go even, boop, then even he won't supernova. mess with that. And even um, Zarek the Silent King says they use weapons that fundamentally broke the galaxy or maybe that like ruined the you know possibly led to the creation of the chaos gods. Apparently, in recent lore, which is a thing, and um, they essentially broke the Katan to shards. Um, then they were just basically stuck in a power vacuum. And he released his protocols, so he wasn't controlling them. But then the Eldari were basically on the rapid, you know, climb up because the Eldari could make more Eldari, whereas the Necrons were finite. So they went to the, you know, the big sleep, which is famous in Necron um, lore. And uh, Zarek didn't sleep, though. Zarek basically had insomnia. He couldn't deal with the guilt. Um, different kind of insomnia. He went on a very long gap. Here. And I do believe this might be Colin's favorite fact is when he was, um, he went to go travel outside of the galaxy. But Colin, what brought him back? Do you, I think you remember this tidbit. Ah, I do. Yes. Uh, would you like me to kind of take <laughs> yes. over for a moment here? Yes. Well, you see, uh, in his, you know, self imposed exile, who's just, you know, floating outside the Milky Way galaxy as, as one does, when he, uh, he bumped into a, a little something known as the Tyranid Hive Fleets. Cheeky, so, you know, Ooh, a, a slight little, little traffic jam. <laughs> uh, and he came back uh, with the most revelatory, you know, piece of information the galaxy had ever seen. He came back to warn the galaxy that the Tyranids are, in fact, a problem. Uh, something that truly understatement. Yeah. no <laughs> one had realized up to that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, Tech was like, I want to kill all the orcs because they're annoying. Trazim, um, 
Sorry. So it was just like, um, they're more than annoying. They're, they're going to doom the entire galaxy. It's, I'd, I'd also I... like to shout out Tom Warren for the $2 donation funny message. Oh, thank you, Tom. He says, Colin is my third favorite diabetic person. I don't know who's on the two and one. I don't know who the first two are. Colin is my second favorite slot. Yes. I want to know who your first are for these. I was on your Discord, Colin, and the amount of people who say slop is ridiculous. It's because I make slop. I'm making the fucking What can we say? It's a sloppy Discord. Anyway. Sloppy Discord. Jesus. So Zarek is sort of returned. The only thing that brought him back was the Tyranny threat because the Tyrannids are in a way quite similar where like old Necron Lord, they devour, they both sort of eradicate all life. But essentially, I think what's brought Zarek back was the fact that they waited, they did the base leaks, they wanted the galaxy to heal so then the Necrons could rule, rule over it. But there's going to be no galaxy to rule if it's all been devoured and broken apart yeah. by the Tyranids. And not only that, if they want to go back to having like bodies, they need experiments. They need stuff to like harvest to be like, like let's do some stuff to see, see if we can actually become, you know, Necron tier again. If it's all been nommed by the Tyranids, like we're going to turn these in. No, we're not, I'm not going in that thing. That mm. insect, ugh, bugs. Ugh. Yeah, so work. in a weird way, they both they're sort of like rivals, which is quite interesting. But um, Zarek is only, again, they don't see the Imperium as a threat, which is funny, because <laughs> like, or even Chaos as a threat, which they're very aware of Chaos uh, existing in this time. But the Tyranids are the threat when which Zarek actually feels is a, you know, that could be a real problem. And interesting enough, there is a tidbit um, in sort, it's the only really time he showed up in any like proper written law in like novel form or novellas or short stories when he meets dante of the blood angels uh it's on a world where the necrons and the blood angels are fighting and then suddenly the necrons stop and the, the blood angels like in the middle of like the fight going hey yo what and they're like <laughs> like sworn by necrons and the necrons just literally stop what they're doing and then just walk away and they get invited to meet the silent king and dante goes I've heard a rumor of a silent king and I didn't even think it was real, but we might as well go see for ourselves because we're, you know, if it is a silent king, we could possibly, you know, the opportunity is just there. They can't say no. And bearing in mind in this trip, Dante and the blood angels with him and the rhino, I believe they're in is filled with explosives and the triggers that they're holding in their own gauntlets, like a pressure gauntlet. Like it's one of those triggers where if they let go, it'll all go. Because they're thinking we might as well take the opportunity to basically suicide ourselves with the Silent King. And then when uh, Dante appears before the Silent King, he looks at the Silent King, who's like kind of sitting down, like crouched, kind of like not standing up like a regal ruler, but more like a sort of nomadic figure. He turns around and he's wearing a mask of Sanguinius on his face. But it's one where it's smiling, unlike Dante's death mask, which is Sanguinius looking sad. And the Blood Angels just go like, like imagine like this, like for them, they're seeing a Xenos wear their father's face. Yeah. That's very much like someone going, you know, basically literally like a demon wearing Jesus's like face. Well, you'd be like, mm. <gasps> so they're like, oh, you... this little thing I just put on, like, boy, put, take that off. It's my best outfit. So what can I say? Yeah. <laughs> so he was, they were like, this is, they were, they were so far beyond disgusted. Like they weren't angry anymore. You know, like you go far beyond anger where it's mm. like, I'm not even pissed. I'm like, 
don't even know what I should be feeling. But um, it's quite interesting because like Silent King's arc goes up to him and basically whispers in his ear. He's like, hey, how mama the bee was been? He's like sort of a little bit, you know, sussy. And he's because, again, he doesn't speak out loud properly. He sort of whispers his intentions to Dante. And they basically say, yo, Tyranids are coming. Bro, want to team up? It was a mistake. We shouldn't have been fighting. And then Dante goes, fine. It's a good idea because it's an Imperial world. But technically, but actually, slowly the Necrons start evacuating their forces, and they they let base the Blood Angels take a lot of the brunt. But they still manage to beat beat off the uh, beat the Tyranids off, not beat off the Tyranids. <laughs> beat yeah. the Tyranids. Okay, right. <laughs> sorry, I'm a bit of a flub. Um, but that's kind of his most recent appearance, and even I guess as they said, like prior Nexus, he's still trying to unite the, the dynasties, but not really as their all powerful ruler, but more as a sort of um, rally crying figure to help fight a great threat and the Imhotek is clearly proving to be a problem and that's kind yeah. of the end of it's a bit of a shame because Zara doesn't have hmm. again he's a bit more of a mysterious figure kind of like how even the Emperor has Very more clandestine. like dialogue than this guy does um, <laughs> and the, the Emperor is meant to be like a distant you know figure um, but that's kind of it on um, Zarek though I do believe if there's anything else, I think that might be the last. Unless Andy, you've got like a few minor ones you want to talk about. Um, I think there's only like a couple worth mentioning. There's ba- there's basically this entire dynasty called the Subakar, which is in the Jericho Reach, which is where the Death Watch books are. There was this uh, pharaoh known as Armon Tech, and he killed a Katan, and he was known as the Red Scythe, and he actually like killed it, and it was like, wow, that guy's cool. Um, everyone went to the have their big nap nap. Everyone woke up, and for some reason, the pharaoh didn't wake up. And the uh, the cryptips had a look in his brain. They're like, "Oh, there's some weird stuff going on in there." Uh, but he's super powerful. We're not gonna like just end him, but we can't wake him up because his brain's a bit damaged. And so there's like a big power struggle going on within them. There's like Ahotech, not to be confused with Armontech. Am I right? But like Ahotech is <laughs> God like forbid. the region below, <laughs> and there's like a power struggle going on. And they're kind of cool, but they don't have much lore. I did a few videos on them, but they're literally like, there's like a destroyer lord who's pretty cool, who's just like, you know, the guys with the hover pads for legs. Uh, he's like one of the relatives of the Red Scythe, and he went mental. And for like millennia, he woke up really like Ahotech plotted for him to wake up millennia earlier than they were supposed to. So he went insane. And he kind of mm-hmm. plotted to be like, I'm going to make you wake up really early. I'm going to send you over here and you did it just so he could assume control. Um, there's not really much more to say about them, but they're just kind of cool that like, oh, there's like a Necron who actually killed a Katan. Is he a model? No. <laughs> Bearing in mind, the last guy that did no. that, the last guy that did that created the destroyer or the yeah. um, flare virus. <laughs> so that kind of didn't go so hot. Um, yeah, bad track record. It's like, oh, you killed a Katan, but you're going to inherit some bad stuff. Just a minor oopsie. <laughs> you can work past it. Yeah, give or I mean, take away chromosomes. How many Necrons really have the fleet? Like out of the whole, right? Not many, but it, they, they, a lot of them say that it's the fate that'll take them all eventually. I well, yeah, know. but when you live forever, eventually something is going to go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> really, I think murdering a Katan. Oh, some of you go a little bit goofy. <laughs> this is a small price to pay. Slight yeah. goof. Don't remember your entire yeah. identity. <laughs> and the flight ones themselves don't. Mother- like... I don't know. They don't, they don't think they're goofy. 
servitors exist, and that is for yeah. a much less good purpose than murdering <laughs> an, an whole ass katan. I don't want to. Oh, yeah. you lose your memory. Motherfucker, that dude got lobotomized. <laughs> Some servitors do remember as well. That's the horrific part. That's oh, even oh, worse. Yeah. Yeah. There are rumors that the Crimson Scythe actually wakes up sometimes and just does like a he just like butchers like civilizations in the Jericho Reach and goes back to sleep and it's like, what? Huh, that's weird. <laughs> oh. It's like you're not you and you're hungry. <laughs> you butcher a civilization. <laughs> Jeez. What was that? I think that's <laughs> Snickers out there. Yeah. It's cool Snickers over there as well, isn't it? Though. Snickers, yeah, we got Snickers. Oh thank God! Some things are like in um like the like um North America are just not named the same. I'm kind of get. Was it um? Is it Lay's chips? Yeah, we got those. They're not called them. Lay's here. What are they? They're called Walkers. Walkers. I mean, that's. I yeah, I'm not cool. messing with you. They're actually called. No, walkers. I mean, I guess that's a little strange, but like, I, whatever. Oh, Axe body spray is not called Axe here. What is it called? Lynx, <laughs> like the animal. Oh, that's even oh, yeah. trashier. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because you know like, when I was younger, people would make reference in like TV's like, oh, you smell like Axe body spray. I'm thinking like, what is Axe body spray? And I saw the thing, I'm like, yeah. oh, that's just Lynx. And it's like, oh, because it's probably yeah, yeah, Lynx Axe. Axe or the Lynx or whatever you call it is already, I, they can call whatever they want. The I, the only thing I can <laughs> yeah. ever associate it with is a high school locker room or some asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Spraying all uh, the I don't know. The, the main point is the Virgin Snickers versus the Chad Lion Bar. Let's just put Whoa, that out there. That sounds pretty tasty. Lion Bar is superior. I'll have to see a few more of those things, but yeah, like the the links and the walkers thing is still pretty in my living rent free in my brain. Um, but speaking of not taking any well, other things that live rent free in my brain, though, I think Colin was going to talk about something. Well, we had Necrons, but we had Necrons at home, I think, because we're going to talk about the OG Necrons, aren't we, Colin? The original, the the Indeed. the copy my homework. From this is the original homework. <laughs> Where they once came from, the Tomb Kings. Tomb Kings. I, uh, I'll keep it uh, relatively brief, uh, especially because, as with a lot of Warhammer fantasy factions, it's pretty easy to tell at least what the basis of them is. The basis of the Tomb Kings is, of course, uh, you know, ancient Egypt. Very cool. Uh, oh, would you like me to just a quick uh, clarification? Should I save uh, all the comparisons between them for after the basics of the lore? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it for the end. Yeah, this is just just this introduce because obviously some people who are listening maybe are not as familiar with one of yeah. the stuff. So thought that was the plan. Just to, wanted mm. to clarify. <laughs> uh, the Tomb Kings were once you know Warhammerified Egypt. Uh, they were all alive. You know they were they were people. They were civilization of humans. Uh, the earliest one, in fact, in Warhammer fantasy. Uh, before you know the Empire, uh, Britonia, Kislev, any of the others, there was the Tomb Kings. Uh, they were you know Bronze Age-ish, but towards the end of their uh, time as humans. Spoiler alert: upcoming for that one. Uh, they started. A, they had limited access, very limited access to guns from Cathay. I think they even had like some like balloons and stuff, like steamship kind of things. Uh, so you know they had some cool stuff, but overall, Bronze Age humans. Uh, they were initially very in touch with their gods, then they weren't, then they were, kind of you know, on and off thing. Uh, and they ruled over, because if you look at the Warhammer fantasy world, it's pretty clearly just like Earth. You know, the... the squashed some, a bit. Yeah, it's squashed a bit, then stretched back out. 
It was uh, it was earth you dropped on the floor and then you had to quickly <laughs> put it back together again. Yeah. Yeah. We got a donation sorry from Zombie Eggplant for ten dollars. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, brother. You, zombie zombie eggplant. eggplant. Thank you. Good name, it's a good name. Uh, but uh Yeah, so they uh they were you know they were chugging along, uh survived the incursions of chaos the great catastrophe when chaos first entered the world by fighting alongside their gods to drive out all those nasty demons uh and you know then their civilization went on for quite a few thousand years uh they were they had obviously their golden ages their not so golden ages uh there were rulers of course like the one and only cetra the imperishable who decided that the entire planet belonged to him and he made a pretty damn good showing at doing that um they, as time went on, started to realize. Uh, <laughs> and it's another drawing here, but it's like a tomb king with a chef hat. We're gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> assume that's business. a tomb guard. For Setcher would behead you for such insolence. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so eventually, Setcher himself and others kind of realized death is going to rob me of all my achievements. So they started working on becoming immortal, and they expanded their lives uh, by many years and even some very limited immortality for some of those uh the mortuary cult who was looking for uh, immortality it was immortality but you still aged so eventually they turned into these desiccated mummies it was immortality light die immortality yeah they, they weren't gonna die immortality zero <laughs> they might they might wish they were dead immortality uh, new flavorings yeah new coke immortality <laughs> But uh, yeah, and so, but again, as with all things, you know, rises and falls, ups and downs with their civilization. They were overall pretty prosperous, though. It from the outside, it didn't look like much was gonna, you know, really bring them down, because you know, obviously, you know, there's orcs everywhere. It's a Warhammer setting. They're gonna find orcs. There would be, you know, orc hordes. They fight occasional demons, chaos worshippers, stuff like that that they fight and deal with pretty handily. We and have then another what... um, dono from Tom Warren here. Thank you, Tom. He puts, um, the Warhammer world is just what we have. <laughs> Earth at home me. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, uh, but, uh, yeah so Tomb the... Kings are... Yeah. Oh, you, you no, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, Tomb Kings are doing pretty good. And then one certain individual named Nagash was born. And then very rapidly, the Tomb Kings Such stopped the power. doing very good. Such uh -oh. is the power of Nagash. That line is... <laughs> so good the, uh, the most narcissistic person who's ever existed by the way yeah. he doesn't, he's not really a tomb king but we he's just honoring mention I, he's pretty involved oh, in their story yeah, you can't yeah, talk about enough, the tomb kings enough. and not mention him because then you're just skipping what happened that made them the tomb kings mm. uh he was born the first son of a tomb king king at this point they were just nehekarans Problem is, Tomb King society is a little bit goofy. The firstborn son goes to the mortuary cult instead of being the king. Nagash did not like this, but because he went to the mortuary cult, he learned how to be a wizard. So he started studying dark magic, started getting a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit evil. Uh, he was kind of always evil. This is post-death of great conqueror Cetra the Imperishable. Yes, well, Cetra. Cetra's like the Alexander of... Um... The Tomb King, Alexander the Great, the Tomb Kings, and this is basically, I think it's a hundred couple. It's not explained how long after. It's a long while after. It's quite a while after. But Cetra is like a great, like Cetra's got a pyramid and shit, and 
basically this this is way you know centuries down the line also yeah. we have another dono here by um Lelouch Rue. thank you brother again we appreciate your support as always he says sorry i'm late here now what i miss love your work keep it up uh we're just hitting uh tomb kings right now but we're just you know did a great lashing of necron lords obviously when to compare the two more to the end but colin's just directing us through the the bone or well, the not yet bone daddies soon to be <laughs> He's talking about All the right, most selfish I'm person. I'm, I'm not a fan of that, Paul. <laughs> Colin's talking about the most selfish individual I didn't do anything. scum Nagash. of the earth in the Warhammer world, Nagash. So, uh, yeah, Nagash starts learning how to do magic. And then eventually, uh, a neighboring city-state to his brings over some dark elves they captured to be used as sacrifices. And Nagash goes, I'm going to learn magic from them. So he does. He he was he was supposed to sacrifice them. He didn't. He just locked them in the basement of a pyramid. And uh, he gave them a deal. You can either teach me dark magic or I can kill you here and now. And uh, that's quite the hard bargain. So they agreed. And Nagash became the first human ever to properly wield dark magic. Uh, they escaped and then he killed them, which is pretty impressive because, you know, Elves' whole thing is they're good at the magics. And Nagash was like, yeah, but no, I'm I'm better. Uh, so he killed them, and then Nagash killed his brother, who was the king, uh, cucked him, and took his wife. Uh, you know, just really add to the list of reasons he's a piece of shit. Uh, started raising the dead, which in the Hecarin society is a big no-no, because, well, first of all, he was the first necromancer. He invented it. Second of all, death is sacred. You're not supposed to do with dick with them. And he said, yeah, but free army forever. So he raised uh, the dead to rule his stolen city he started bankrupting kemri the capital of uh nehekara and uh eventually he was defeated by the seven nation army of seven other city states was driven out and came back after you know a, a pretty decent amount of time and in the meantime he had accidentally invented vampires because someone stole his research notes and didn't quite get the formula right for eternal life and with them as his new lieutenants, and of course his ever-loyal servant, Arkin the Black, he waged war on the Hecara. And this time, he was going big or going home. I think so he accidentally turned into a lich as well at this time. Yeah, he uh, he died, but he decided that was lame, so he just possessed he, his body He died again. but got better. It, it was exa- He died but got better. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, there were some things Nagash did, but this isn't quite all about Nagash, just the Tomb Kings, so... Um, Speeding up a little bit past that. Uh, as he was evading the Hecara, he was killing everyone. He was poisoning the Great River Vitae, which is, you know, the Not Nile. Uh, and he was getting ready to cast a spell to kill everyone on the planet and then raise all of their corpses. Uh, which he kind of got off. It only killed everyone in the Hecara and raised them up. But that pretty swiftly put an end to, you know, Nehekara. Uh, everyone died. Yeah. Except for failed the failed successfully. <laughs> yeah. Except for the last king of all kings of the tomb kings, Alkadizar, who with the help of the Skaven of all people, managed to slay Nagash and send his spirit back to the afterlife for about five minutes, because he's a necromancer that doesn't really stick. But as it means for the tomb kings, Nagash is gone, and they have to contend with the fact that they're now all undead. Which is caused some problems because it wasn't just uh the last line of you know the existing the hikarans that was brought back 
it was pretty much all of them. Uh, everyone who ever died and still had a reasonably intact skeleton or and or mummy. So you'd like to see your granddad, your great granddad, and his yeah, great granddad. All of like them. Spider-Man memes that everyone like pointing at each other, just kind of going. <laughs> but you. there's just like people going, "Hey, granddad, put some clothes on. I can see your bones." Uh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it wasn't great, and all of the newly resurrected Tomb Kings started fighting amongst each other until uh, the Hierophant Katap woke up Cetra and said, "Please fix this because we clearly can't do this on our own." Which he then did because he's Cetra the Imperishable and pretty swiftly knocked everyone back into line. And that kind of brings us to the modern-day Tomb Kings. They've been like this for quite a few thousand years, uh, to the point that even by the time of Sigmar being born, they had already been Tomb Kings for quite a few years. Uh, so, and then uh, ever since, they've been... Honestly, even more fractured than the Necrons. Some of them just want to sit in Nehekara. Some of them want to conquer outwards. Some of them don't really care and are just trying to have fun with immortality. Some of them frantically want to get a new body back, uh, be it like just any body they can put their soul into. Uh, the Mortuary Cult did promise Cetra he would return with a new golden body. So some of them are like, ooh, that'd be, that'd be something cool I'd like to get. <laughs> it's, it's messy in the Hikara, but with Cetra kind of vassalizing everyone, he basically told them, look, you can fight amongst yourselves a little bit. But when I call you, it's time to fight. So there is some semblance of order in Nehekara, kind of like with the Silent King. But it's very tenuous, and the moment Cetra isn't looking, it uh, kind of falls apart. Goes to crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The way you said it's always messy just made me think of a, a tie-in of it's always sunny in Nekahara. Nagash turns I'm just going to go and conquer, you know, Altdorf. Nagash fans to likes to have his tools. He likes to bind. He likes to bind. I like to buy. I like to have my tools. God, that's a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows a reference there. Oh man, it's always something they hear. That's so good. Damn it! I'm so annoyed. I didn't think of that. Uh, uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's like the that's the basics of the you know the Tomb Kings. Uh, that's nice. uh, yeah. Would it and, be uh, fair to say there's like between Nagash and Setra, there's parallels with, for example, uh, Sarek and Emotek? Because I know the kind of thing is that the Tomb Kings are the origins of like the inspiration for the Necrons. Is there much overlap in that regard? There's some, like you can definitely see some parallels, but like with Nagash and Emotek specifically, like do correct me if I'm wrong, but Emotek doesn't have the complete and utter disdain for his fellow Necrons. Like, obviously, he doesn't like the Silent King, but he doesn't see it like, you know, another mm. Necron and is like, you're dirt. Like, is that yeah. roughly in the ballpark? I think so. Nagash does not care anything about, like, he's he didn't take power because he wanted to restore order because his dynasty was a shit show. He took power because he's evil, and uh, his his motivations kind of end and stop at, I'm evil. Yeah. Sadly, Nagash is not quite in Total War Warhammer yet, but with a mod. Quite... Oh, it's, it's not quite. I know it's not yet. official, but that it is That's a pretty impressive mod, though. It's one of those mods that makes you go, "Why aren't you just working for the, the company? <laughs> Why are you doing this for free?" But uh, speaking of lords, though, I do believe quite a few of these uh, Tomb King lords actually you're able to sort of play in the uh, Total War Warhammer franchise at the moment, though. Indeed, oh. they're. Uh... Uh, 
Do you want to keep going? So you go through it. <laughs> yeah, I would say I'll go. I'll go through like it'll mostly be the legendary lords from Total Warhammer, but a couple different ones. Uh, we'll start with uh, you know Ark in the Black, uh, alphabetical, and he's Nagash's right hand man. So fair to start with him. Right hand. I will of course bitch. save the. <laughs> Just yeah, jump yeah. Bitch. I will of course save the best for last, so there's a reason I'm not starting with him, don't worry. Uh, Ark in the Black, he was once just kind of a hedonistic scumbag of a nobleman. And uh, just kind of floating through life being a hedonistic scumbag. Uh, <laughs> there's, I think, w- there's a couple different explanations that have been used for his teeth being black. You know, call, him Ark, well, call him Ark in the Black. One is that his teeth were all rotted and disgusting, and he chewed a root that made them like blackened. An unpleasant person to be around when he was alive. Mm. He became Nagash's servant and handed a bit of a competent, like, everything boost. Like, he went from this scumbag nobody to someone who would probably be, honestly, a pretty clever, like, anti-hero at worst. Were it not for the fact that his boss is Nagash, who's really just here to eat your soul and enslave you forever. So, if he had a better boss, he might be a lot cooler of a dude. He just needed but, someone to believe in him. That's yeah, he <laughs> yeah, yeah, someone who isn't Nagash. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Arkin, he's very clever. He's a very gifted uh, mage, and he died early. Uh, he escaped Nagash's first death. He didn't die, but when Nagash was put down the second time... Uh, no, pardon me, I, I got that flipped. He, uh, I believe he died holding off uh, the armies that would allow Nagash to escape the first time around. He was brought back because Nagash kind of invented necromancy, so that's really not much of a chore for him. And ever since Arkin has been his right-hand man. As for his role in the Tomb Kings, he's a bit... He's definitely the black sheep of them all. Uh, Cetra very begrudgingly allows him to exist, uh, although he regularly goes to war with him whenever Arkin gets a bit too obvious that he's trying to bring back Nagash. And Arkin, for his part, is kind of a mercenary. Like, he'll go around the world looking for, like, things that can help his necromantic powers to bring back Nagash. And in the process, you know, sometimes he he works for people you might not expect, you know, like, whoever. If the end result will be he's able to get, ne- like, artifacts of necromantic power or even can just afford to buy them from somewhere, he he's taken some mercenary contracts for other Tomb Kings, occasionally for, you know, other factions. He gets around. And of course, he's the only Tomb King, aside from Nagash, that has returned in the Age of Sigmar. So, hey, if uh, that interests you, Arkin's still around and kicking. Kind of. Eltharian threw him into the into the void. So, who knows what's going on with <laughs> he's that. A bit, he's a bit lost. Yeah. Uh, he also, he of course, had a starring role in the End Times. Uh, he killed Warhammer's first ever special character. Like, ever. Wow. Uh, Heinrich Kemmler. Oh, uh, feels bad. He's a Arkin's a lich. Yeah, necromantic yeah. wizard who uh, yeah. he fights Godric and Felix a couple or one time, I believe. Yeah, Heinrich Kemmler does. Although he promptly leaves before nature can take its course on that front. <laughs> before he gets an axe between the legs or something. Like that. Yeah, uh, and during the end times, he's uh, obviously he's doing all of the gashes moves that he needs someone important to do. Uh, he, it's even funny when he kills Kemmler because, you know, he's noticed the Lich Master and Arkin's a Lich, and he even, I think, like, makes a snide comment to himself, like, eh, the Lich is beating the Lich Master. I'm so fucking clever. <laughs> uh, he turned into a bit of a sarcastic smart mouth in the end times for some reason, which is neat. 
Uh, but yeah, that's Arkin. Right hand of Nagash is the most important thing to know about him. Quite powerful, though. Not the kind of guy you want to mess with. Uh, next, uh, I, I can't keep calling. I call, DJ Katap is what people like. People have called him because he has this like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he rides like the mount. It <laughs> looks kind of like a DJ table. Uh, he was the one of the heads of the Mortuary Cult, and which means he's a lich of quite good magical power. And his importance in the Tomb Kings comes when he is, you know, decided to wake Setcher up because the infighting was a bit absurd by that point. He's like, I need someone who will fix this. Now, the problem there lies in the fact that the Mortuary Cult had made a promise that they weren't going to wake Setcher back up until they had found a way to give him his golden body. So he woke Setcher back up, he brought everyone in the line, and then he immediately exiled Katep for not having that golden body for him. And said he can never return until you give me that body. So Katap kind of just wanders the Warhammer world looking for anything that can help give the Tomb Kings a proper body once again. Uh, that's you know, really the extent of what he does. Uh, he is the one who returned in the end times to warn Setra that Nagash was coming back for real this time. Whereupon Setra heard him out, thanked him, and then cut his head off. <laughs> Because uh, he had Keeps still not, he, he hey, he didn't find the golden oh. body. Setra's not one to, not one to be trifled with. I guess so. Uh, Damn, hell of a way to go though. <laughs> Just like, oh, not, it, yeah. not really worth it, but worth it. There's oh, a Kalida, uh, warrior queen, uh, high queen Kalida. She's very cool. She's a uh, worship the serpent god because you'll notice there's a lot of parallels between Egyptian mythology and the Tomb Kings. And her cousin was the first vampire, Neferata. And Neferata, uh, I don't know, Kalida found out Neferata was a vampire and kind of made that known uh, to the Tomb Kings at large before they were the Tomb Kings. And Neferata accidentally killed her in a duel and tried to bring her back, uh, except the snake goddess Asaph poisoned Kalida's blood so she would not become a vampire. Uh, and killed her on the spot, which is a weird way to save someone, but it's better than, I guess, <laughs> eternal damnation from vampirism. Uh, it's And when she came back as a Tomb Queen, she was uh, very honored. She's one, She was pretty much the only one Setra didn't have to beat in the line, because Setra came back and she was just like, yeah, or whatever. Just let me kill vampires and I'll be content to do whatever you tell me to do. Uh, she's one of those, kind of like you were saying earlier, Eli, with like Zandrek being one of the few that has a personality. She and her army is like one of the few that have a like a particularly standout personality. Like her uh, her constructs are some of the only ones that have like a personality. Like some of her Tomb Guard or the what are they called Ushabti? I like kind of play like pranks and stuff. Uh, <laughs> like they like to just make jokes and they're kind of they're fun to be around or as fun as any Tomb King to be around. And even uh, her, she meets Godric and Felix once and gives them an ultimatum by putting a wrist, like just a bracelet on Felix's wrist and says, hey, you go kill these, you go kill this vampire that's causing me such problems. And if you make it back to me in time, I will, you know, put the thing, take the thing off your wrist. And that is a big hat. <laughs> we forgot to mention Ark okay. and the Black has basically like a massive black I, yeah. Pope hat. Yeah. <laughs> but it kind of looks like if... Lord forbid his holiness went to war, but then he also <laughs> was a skeleton. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and with the goth. goth. <laughs> yeah, and a goth. 
with the Gotrigan Felix, they killed the vampire in time, but they didn't quite make it back to Lamia, the king, the, the city-state she rules in time. And the wrist thing, you know, it happened, but it didn't poison Felix. Uh, and so they were confused, like, what? Did did you release me? And Nefrod was like, no, I was just fucking with you the whole time. And he poisoned that thing <laughs> and had it dried up centuries ago. So she's a, a bit of a goofball when she wants to be, but she's also incredibly dedicated to hunting vampires because in her eyes her eyes they're part of the reason they all turned into tomb kings and even beyond that they're just unholy and the first one was her cousin so she's got a lot of personal beef with vampires specifically hmm. uh there is a couple more minor ones uh <laughs> someone said the mummy returns which like can we just point out how good that film was the first one i <laughs> You don't see the I, Mummy I, Returns. I've never, I've never no. seen any of the Mummy movies. Is, is, is oh, of course, Colin's like never a seen a goofy damn movie? film. Yeah. Oh my gosh, is it a goofy Brandon Fraser movie? It's not a goofy Brandon. It's not really goofy. Funny. It's good. It's it's classic. It's goofy in a good way though. Like it's not. Right. I guess it's, it's not trying to be goofy. It was very serious at the time, but it it's just like aged. All, all the fun moments of like uh, the goofy moments of Indiana Jones, but that's the entire film. It aged like wine, though. Those films are pretty good. (laughs) Honestly, it's a childhood vibe in this year, maybe a bit before your time, to be fair. But (laughs) just don't watch The Scorpion King because the CGI rock is terrifying. Oh my god, that's (laughs) it's still considered the worst CGI in all film history. Because it makes me fucking fun bad. (laughs) God, I remember watching The Mummy, the first one. You know, if you guys watch it now as adults, you'd be like, oh, it's not that bad. But the actual mummy scared the crap out of me when I was like <laughs> a kid because it looked so horrific. Um, but speaking of the only s- proper mummies, though. So the only scene I've seen is when one of them is like approaching the one guy and he's just pulling out every single religious object. Oh, the yeah, man, yeah. And he pulls out a star of David. He's like, ah, you speak the language of the slaves. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah, <this laughs> is but, by the way, uh, Colin, we've got a donation from Looty McShooty for $5. Saying, question for Mr. No Work. Which VTuber <laughs> would be a good Tomb Lord? My guess would be Pippa, because cringe. Uh, Lumi's the one who likes fantasy, so her. And I will move on from this for the benefit of the three <laughs> other people who are probably <laughs> sitting here like, shut uh, the hell up. <laughs> but thank you, and there's my answer. Oh, Chad, we're uh, sorry we haven't seen The Mummy. Please have mercy. I'm not. Lorcoise <laughs> Movie Night is a pretty good idea, Chad, but we probably would get mm, copyright straight. Immediately. We might do that for like a private... Um, members discord like thing thing, yeah, discord yeah. thing one time uh there's two more i want to mention real quick there's apophis who was a a real scumbag uh he was a prince who wanted to be a, the king of the city state of numis but you know he wasn't he wasn't get get the throne so what he did was uh slit the throats of everyone who was going to have the throne and then just kind of declared himself king That'll which went it. I, yeah, that went as well as you'd expect. Like everyone just ganged up on him and beat him up, and then as execution, they threw him in a pit of no, pardon me, it wasn't a pit. He was put in a sarcophagus filled with flesh-eating scarabs, and they closed it on him. Yeah. Uh, and nice. when they op- they opened it back up, the scarabs had all disappeared, and there was just a human skull, which they then inscribed a curse on just for good measure, and threw it in the desert. And so in this the, is the plot of the mummy, then, because that did happen to some, that something similar really? happens to one guy. <laughs> probably what the inspiration was. There. Oh, really? uh, there's a, I, it's not really a spoiler, but like a plot. 
well, part of the movie, like mm. a flesh-eating scarab goes, it buries into a guy, and you oh, see. Oh yeah, it. and it's got you can see it going up his you wrist. Can, and he's like, yeah, Aah. you can see it moving under his skin, and it's yeah. like, oh, interesting. Well, apparently the bracelet story is from the mummy as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, there is. <laughs> that's the mummy too. Um, there's like a bracelet thing they put someone, on. Someone get someone get the release dates. I mean, the mummy was after Warhammer Fantasy. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I sure hope. All right, get on out, brave soldier. But uh, yeah, was it? So then Apophis he gets to the underworld and would be you know denied entrance into the honored halls of you know heaven. The best case scenario he had was eternal torment. The worst case scenario was just get his soul erased. Like you're gone, goodbye. And he made a deal because he was still technically royalty, and royalty were allowed to make deals with the gods for some reason. Uh, with the god of the dead, Usirian. And he said, listen, if I can find a soul that's an exact match for mine, uh, can I go to heaven? And Usirian was like, yeah, sure, that sounds good to me. Go look for that soul. So Apophis is this wandering assassin with a body made out of scarabs that just hmm. wanders around looking for an equal soul. But he's never going to find it because no two souls are made exactly equal. Uh, <sighs> like, So uh, he's basically just doomed himself to forever wander the lands as a murder hobo. <laughs> and, uh, nice. it's not ideal and then of course the last greatest tomb king Cetra the Imperishable and his fullest of titles that no joke takes two hours straight to say <laughs> someone uh, in the comment section is going to be br what, some brave soldier is going to put the entire thing in the comment yeah, section if someone wants to go find that the total war copy pasta and just throw that in <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be great we'll pin it we'll pin it uh, but but unlike, you know, I would say quite a good deal amount of characters with many titles, this man earned all of them. As a Tomb King, he was the greatest. He, uh, You know that, you know, it's better to be feared than loved, but have both. Setra was smart. He, uh, he got both. He made sure to treat his people fairly, uh, even the slaves. He built monuments to the gods, brought back their uh, favor to Nehekara. Uh, he did that by sacrificing all of his children in their honor. And if you rebelled against Cetra, you were no longer on the map of Nehekara. If I do, I remember correctly that I think isn't Nagash a descendant of Cetra? I think in some like distant, distant. Like, I think it's Alcadizar because I think I've read that like there was a like a either a son Cetra had after he did you know the first round of you know filicide, or uh, at one he missed. Or is, that, or is Vlad, or who would become Vlad, he was a descendant of Nagash. Because that was why he got given um, sort of special treatment over Neferata. Was that Nagash like, oh, you're a descendant of mine, oh, fine, you'll, be you'll become the uh, leader of the vampires or something at the time. I don't remember that, but I'm not, not going to well, say it, it didn't happen. Well, it's hard because like, Vlad, that stuff is either like it's, it's in flux, it's not quite because some things say like he was, like he was chosen as like um sort of he was turned into a vampire by Neferata and then made like her consort, and then the other ones it was just Nagash, basically chose him as like a leader because he sort of def like um, excuse me he like defected to their side and he was basically like ah but you're like my, my descendant that's kind of cool and so he is is contradictory in some uh circles but I, I do think Nagash was a descendant of Setra. In some Al capacity, Alcadizar was like, I think, I'm not quite solidly confirmed, but close to it. Like he had some of Cetra's blood in him. 
I don't remember ever hearing about that from Nagash. Or just like, it's just like the Charlemagne thing where it's like everyone's a descendant of Charlemagne. I, it could also it be that, that where it's ago, like, yeah. yeah, it's so long ago. And plus, it's like it, it gives you, you know, some amount of prestige to just go, yeah, I, I come from big cool guy. Oh, is it? Oh, go ahead, Alex. So good. Whenever anyone mentions Charlemagne, I just think of Christopher Lee because he's yeah. a metal album called Charlemagne. He's just like, I kill the blood of Saxon men. I shed the blood, the blood of many of 4, Saxon, Saxon men. Saxon men. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of like when, um, when people were saying, like, um, oh, I'm, you know, in my ancestry, I'm a descendant of William the Conqueror. It's like, yeah, most of Europe is too fair as well. So yeah. <laughs> it's not that, but we're all kind of, I think, what's the even weirder one where I found, um, this is way off topic, but someone did it in uh, there's like a channel that did um he just showed like descendant histories and things like you know like, like charts and there's maps and the queen is the descendant of muhammad hmm. which is like you basically go like oh yeah like, so literally everyone's connected to everyone at some point well, yeah isn't so, it's like you're only five steps removed from pretty much anyone on planet earth if you try yeah. and find that but Setcha was not five steps away from everyone because he was in people's faces as soon yeah. as he... Yeah, he was... He's a conqueror, man. He was about... Yeah, and as a Tomb King, he expanded Camry to its greatest borders. I mean, the dude ended up in Lustria at one point, which, for reference, imagine ancient Egyptians, you know, going to South America. He, he conquered those. around. Well, uh, just a quick thing. They're not called Tomb Kings at this point, are they? No, I, I'm calling them Tomb Kings just because the, the, the kingdom faction. of Nehekara, At this point, yeah, the they're land. just like Nehekarans. Yeah. Uh, and he, of course, founded the Mortuary Cult because when uh, he was starting to get a little bit older, he started realizing, I can't punch death in the face. I can't, I can't fight that enemy and win. So he needed people to solve that for him. Uh, still went on to do great things, conquer, and he was both feared and loved by his people. Because, again, he treated them fairly, but if they stepped even an inch out of line, they were beheaded pretty much instantly. Hmm. And when he finally died, he was angry at it, but he started the, uh, he bid the mortuary cult to find that damn golden body for him and started the trend of Nehekaran kings building big old pyramids and taking their entire army with them to be buried alongside them, which means God, Nehekar must have had a lot of people in it, because that is there's a lot of people going in with them every time. Jesus. Uh, and, yeah, no one would build a pyramid bigger than Cetras, because they were that afraid and respectful of the guy. And when Nagash did his, you know, he did the funny and brought all the Tomb Kings back, his was the only pyramid that didn't... Uh, automatically awaken for his was given such powerful protective wards that even the gash couldn't penetrate it when he rode back out he just started bitch slapping tomb kings and queens left and right until they started behaving and he declared that nehekar would rebuild and the age of conquest would begin once again because even though he didn't have a golden body he's back in immortal now uh, in some capacity so it's time for him to get to work uh, some quick fun facts about him he burned down half of Norska because one of them stole his crown once, and that just, that wasn't going to go unpunished. <laughs> and it's quite uh, cold, so burning it down is quite a feat. <laughs> honestly, yeah, it was pretty impressive. It's also, you know, going from Egypt to Scandinavia, so yeah. pretty it's impressive. Quite... The fact that they have boats is still surprising yeah. to me. Yeah. I suppose in a way, it's like, you don't need winter clothing. You ain't got any skin. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Like you're going to freeze. Anything, the ice encasing your bones might be like extra armor. Uh, but he, uh, at one point, the High Elves decided uh, to help him out with a demon incursion on his front line, 
and he was so generous that he allowed them to leave with their lives intact. <laughs> so so compassionate at times. Uh, such, such a good man. Or every bone. now and then, yeah. <laughs> he, he, truly a great man. Truly, truly so so forgiving. <laughs> uh, every now and then he likes to try and blow up Nagash's Black Pyramid, both because it's an evil, magical waypoint, and because Nagash built it bigger than his, and that simply cannot be allowed. Uh, doesn't work, but you know, a for a for effort, and because it's made a black. We should preface Nagash made this during his mortal lifetime, which was a massive blasphemy, and it's made of uh, a special black stone that just is nigh on just but get the, the black stone slash pyramid and again is something we have to keep revisiting because the amount of it's, yeah, it's, it's like, blown up by skate by skate so that's later though that's not quite tomb king's I lore know, that's the gash yeah, I think no, we, another yeah. time uh and he is perhaps the only person in the end times to get a death that doesn't make you angry uh because Nagash, uh, he fought Nagash, who had by this point ascended to godhood one-on-one, uh, -on -one, and was doing a pretty good job of it. Eventually, Nagash got the upper hand, uh, told Setra to serve him. Setra screams, Setra does not serve, Setra rules, which is the goes so line. hard. And then Nagash blew up all but his skull so he could watch Kemri burn. And then Nagash, uh, Setra was given something that I don't think any other character was given in Warham any Warhammer setting. A no-strings-attached offer by the Chaos Gods, who said they would not only give him back his body, but restore him, you know, give him that golden body he wanted so badly. They would give him Nehekar to rule over once again. They would give him everything he ever wanted if they would just serve him. Setra does not serve. Setra rules. So Setra mm -hmm. walked all the way from Egypt to Germany, uh, pretended to help Archeon, killed a being the size of a mountain, a dragon ogre, and then, right as he saw Nagash again, he cut off a bloodthirster's head in one swing that was about to get the drop on Nagash, told him he will forgive them until he can kill all four of the Chaos Gods himself, and then charged into an infinite tide of demons uh, like Doom Guy. <laughs> uh, he's, he's still perhaps one of the absolute coolest characters in all of Warhammer. And, Just uh, slaps so hard. And while, you know... Lore. Obviously, the planet blew up and we have Age of Sigor now. It should be noted, Cetra's never once described as dying. <laughs> so if nice. you'd like, as I do, you can believe that Cetra is still out there like Gotrick was in the warp, cutting his way straight to the Chaos Gods. They just haven't spat him out yet, to be fair. I, they, <laughs> they wish they could, but you, cannot get, you can't get rid of Cetra that easily. <laughs> He's literally imperishable. He, he just cannot be put down. Nope. The, uh, the Norskin who stole his crown killed him once, except Tomb Kings are immortal. They respawn, which is why he then went right back to Norska and burned down half of it to get his crown back. Mm. That would be pretty scary, like, because you're in the middle of the icy waste, and then it's like, is that an army full of skeletons? Like, yep. What are they doing there? <laughs> we only have one village of like full of huts. Yep. <laughs> we have catapults with skulls flying at us. Yep. <laughs> That's pretty uh, horrific, though. I think, is that all of the uh, Tomb King Lord, I think we're going to mention today, Colin. Uh, pardon me, the... Uh... Is that all of the uh, Tomb King Lords, I think, for today? That was, if there's anything else you'd like me to talk about, I of course can, but I figured that with, uh, you know, it would be a brief overview of the Tomb Kings and we can go talk about the similarities because obviously yeah. quite a few. Yeah, so um, for the next section, we're going to briefly talk about how 
again, you can probably guess the similarities between these two factions is pretty. Um, well, they're basically this. I'm pretty sure two. Obviously, Toon Kings were around. Um, I think I don't know what decade they were event uh, written, but they've been around in quite early like Warhammer history and won the law, and even on the tabletop. I mean, at the time was. Um, recording the tomb kings have returned and the old world has returned to tabletop and the tomb kings got uh, a new model i believe as well which mm. i think kind of goes hard which king and dragon i think it's so yeah, cool goes pretty hard and obviously i think well the first thing i was going to mention is particularly that each of these factions had a moment where they kind of turned into undead because mm-hmm. again they both were living breathing beings and the well the similarity is obviously the fact that um it's kind of against their will a lot of it mm-hmm. i think like obviously like the necrons went through basically they walked into the emulation chambers and they emerge outside as the necrons and then for the tomb kings themselves i think i don't know if you might have said it before con there's an interesting like tidbit which is that when the necron like death wave magic from nagash went off Mm-hmm. So the one, the people who are still alive in Nehekara, obviously yeah. Nehekara looked like, like crap at that point. Yeah, it was it was once yeah. pretty verdant, but by that point it was becoming more yeah. and more desert. And it was like cash. it got Chicagoed. Um, Indeed, but, but but essentially the people there, like there's like a death wave, and then they would have come back to life immediately. So when all the tomb kings slash came back to life, like their descendants, the still living ones, would have had all their flesh still. But yeah, but their like hearts were still and everything. There was no circulation, mm-hmm. so over time that it was like the desert wind stripped them of their bones. Yes, yeah, so there's a pretty like interesting to their bones, not of yeah, their bones. There's there's a nice like difference there in a sense. But I think the also the main thing is that in a way, I think the the soul the, the difference between these two different parts is that the undead of the Necrons, the Necrons are like fully gone, as in their souls and their stuff has been devoured and i so this might be like more of a personal opinion but the necrons compared to necron tier the necrons are just an imprint of all the information of who that person was in life that person is very much dead and gone so like trays in the necron tier is just like full-on dead it, it always makes me way, wonder yeah. though because like blanks you know they're born without a soul or a negative soul it's weird like some like of the ways I read soul, it is sometimes yeah. like it makes me think like in Warhammer 40k at least the soul is like an organ almost that you can <laughs> take out and you can still keep going, but obviously not as you once were. But I it's think also like Dark Souls, it's a currency. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Remember there's a there's a there's a it's weird humanity. bit. Do you know about this Andy in Dragon Age where like if the mage goes out of control? They can t- they do a process where they basically get rid of their soul almost. Yeah, uh, they make them tranquil, where they basically completely remove. So they they talk like this, and they're alive, but they basically have no personality because it's better to take away everything that makes them themselves than let them go loose and cause damage and become abominations where they transform. Yeah, yeah, so there's a, there's a nice cool like link if anyone's into Dragon Age. That's a cool link. I do love Dragon Age. But I think I, I do like that there's a slight difference in you know like the Tomb Kings, like their souls are definitely intact. Like yeah. they've been mm-hmm. at least for the back. kings themselves. I do think, but then again, the there's the sort of a sim the sim the big 
so yeah similarity i see as well is when um the level of like sentience like a lot like, in the lower half soldiers i think they talk about how like basic soldiers they still there's like some glitters of memory of yeah it's like they still have labors for instance but like they don't really it's like like a half remembered dream like they'll just go about making pottery not because it's for any purpose it's just what they did in life and it's the only thing they really have left of them it's kind of like there's a a big similarity there like the necron warriors are kind of there's like echoes of their memories in there but again they're just kind of brain dead like servants a lot of the time as well as but then sort of like the ones who like live out like the noble cast like even cetera cetera still has part of his body like he still has like skin like it's obviously like decayed and uh rotted on him but the, to show that the level like the preservation obviously of the noble class was way better just like how the necrons the like trades in all the laws they've basically retained most of their personalities if they're lucky mm-hmm. um but again like the necron for so the, the tomb kings they pretty much have a sort of a similar shtick where like the actual tomb of kings and the lords they definitely still have like oh i remember who i was but then like brian over there you know i get it, it does vary from different i think kingdoms doesn't it because like i said like the um kalida one kalida's kingdom yes yeah, so some still... of them still have like they've got a little bit more life left in them i guess uh some of them are like a little bit have a little bit more personality but obviously you know the higher up you go on the totem pole of tomb kings like the kings and the princes are going to have most of their minds intact i mean they might have gone insane but they still have a mind and a soul to be insane with hmm. versus... depends on the quality of the lich <laughs> priest <laughs> it also also does that you know if you got the bargain brand you know <laughs> lich priest from wish who was doing your, uh, your entombment imagine <laughs> being a lord like why did i get the fucking walmart lich priest yeah. over here? <laughs> God, I was trying to buy myself, you know, a new pyramid next to the guns or something section yeah. in Walmart. Uh, another similarity is that they're very prone to infighting. Um, like, no. you know, there's like the civil wars between the Necron dynasties and Cetra was only woken up because none of the Tomb Kings could get along. Uh, the difference there being that pound for pound, I think the Tomb Kings have it worse because like the Necrons were the ones who were the already dead Necrons weren't brought to biotransference. It was the ones who were all alive at the time, yeah? Hmm. Uh, the Tomb Kings, when Nagash, you know, let loose, was all of them. So not only do you have rival dynasties who didn't like each other in life going at it, you have the same dynasty who now has all of its kings once back alive, and they all have <laughs> a pretty fair claim to the throne because all of them are the king. <laughs> and it's kind of like, well... I'm the king. I should be in charge. No, I am the king. I should be in charge. And like yeah. from a fairness standpoint, it's like where do you, where do you even, how do you even handle that one? It'll be like resurrecting all of the kings and queens of England, and then you go. So which one is legit right now? The king. Yeah. <laughs> so which it, one's the king or the queen? You go. Uh... <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was a very messy. Obviously, Necrons are more destructive because you know sci-fi. They can blow up planets, but. Like pound for pound, I think the Tomb Kings had much more vicious infighting. Also, like Tomb Kings are even more resistant to death than Necrons. Like you said earlier, you know, like maybe one out of a million will have a recall failure and he's gone. The Tomb Kings were so screwed over by Nagash, they just can't die. They will always <laughs> respawn to the point that Setra uses the skulls of Tomb Kings who pissed him off as catapult ammunition. 
uh, that self-replenishes because it'll always just show back up via magic back in the catapult eventually. Because the Lich Priest can just keep bringing them back. Yeah, they? they just go. As long as you have, you have the Lich Priest, who also can resurrect, you can keep bringing them back. Yeah, and some of them just come back on their own. Like there's a battle site in Akara that is two rival Tomb King armies that were cursed by the gods. So they just they just go at it every single day, nonstop. Hmm. Uh, they and die and then part, they come back. An interesting part as well, like, they technically mm -hmm. had. There's a sort of similarity between, um, like, do you, do you think? In, I think it would be really cool if, in some like weird universe, like Nagash has technically like become a Katan shard in a way, in terms of his level of power. I mean, people are probably more powerful than. A, actually, no, depending on like scales of power, like, I think of um, the Deceiver. Uh, what's the Death one called again? The the Death the Nightbringer. And then you put Nagash next to them. Like he could blend in quite handily with like Probably. that crew. And there's obviously the similarity between the fact of Nagash in the end times eventually like sort of takes control of all of the um tomb kings, takes yeah. them away from Cetra. At least you devour he, I think he, he goes into the, the realm he of He eats the god of the yeah. dead. He's the god of the dead, nice. and then so then they can no longer resurrect tomb kings, only Nagash can. So he and, uh, basically yeah. becomes it sort of mirrors the fact of it, they were essentially in, then enslaved to a god who would then have to use, who would then use him to go fight another war. Yeah, except there was a, there's no breaking out from Nagash, unfortunately. Yeah, this is it just, uh, just didn't happen. Yeah, and then yeah, Nagash become by ages somewhere he just is an outright god now and of death. So if you die, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> have fun with the gash oh. <laughs> you uh, die maybe fighting him and he's like guess what i'm your god now poke, poke, poke. yeah <laughs> uh another difference is that like the tomb kings the necron tier again cr correct me if i mixed missed it uh never had any like psyker stuff amongst them they were always just pure tech even when they had souls it was just no we got technologies no mm -hmm. no magic well because they, uh, they see um is it chronomancy? Like the, they have math magic. Yeah, math magic. Yeah, they have the like power it, of science. Functionally and like on tabletop, especially, it's magic. Yeah. Uh, just you can't deny it with a psyker. But it's um the Tomb Kings, meanwhile, did have actual magic. Uh they did eventually have to learn like how to properly use the winds of magic because Nagash cut them off from their gods. Just another thing to add to the list of awful things he's done. <laughs> Um, prior to that, they were, their magic was relying on like the gods intercessing on their behalf, which fun fact is a cool reference to the real life fact that only by the grace of God, will your tomb King miniatures stay together. <laughs> uh, I, it, oh. I, I, mini brings me pain putting oh. that thing together. And I, I think I, it's so cool. It's so cool. Does he, does like, he get rules for the tabletop? I think I was looking up. I think he does actually will be getting rules. Wow. Uh, he, he's the only think... guy who gets to stick around. I, I guess that's fair. <laughs> I think there's like a couple other that might be coming back. I also don't know. Cause the old world just came out. Hmm. So I, it, they could be adding more Cetra, I believe does have rules. You do need to obviously get like the, the book, the, rule, the book. But I, th I think yeah. I did read. I think he's just under 500 points. Sheesh. Uh, I, he's Setra, man. He's worth those points. Yeah, yeah especially yeah. he's obviously on a chariot as well, isn't he? So, yeah, he's. Yeah, so what's his chariot called again? It's the, um, uh, Chariot of the Gods. Because it can nice. it can literally ram through formations. Like, there's nothing. There's no, it basically ignores any yeah, you, speed bumps. <laughs> you throw Cetra at a block of infantry and then you forget about that block of infantry because it's probably gone. 
Hmm. My favorite part about Setra is like his crown because isn't the crown is so powerful it, it blunts magic, doesn't it, or it reflects magic away from him. Uh, yes. And so the, when uh... yeah, when Nagash tried to fight him, Nagash is like the most powerful spell that's ever been done flung at him he's like <laughs> boing <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. just hit like, some random ah, funny like, guy oh, in chariot Nagesh even has a spell that just like on the tabletop that just kills just kills you <laughs> border bridge I mean, Nagesh didn't have vision listen poor Nagash is watching Mr. you know recreating Ben-Hur everyone the film, <laughs> in the corner and the guy's like look oh, at me my, my four undead horses dude I'm on your side of border prince the mortal realms belong to Nagash they just haven't figured it out yet <laughs> just haven't got the memo such is his power such is, the, <laughs> such is the power of Nagash. Grand Alliance death Staten. is the only valid one, uh, and 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 uh, chaos, but only if you're playing Skaven. I do uh, hate that. The Nagash is just. I just. I just. Well, I love to hate him. Dude, Nagash is like slightly. <laughs> not that's really weird though. Nagash is slightly more likable than Erebus. I'd say he's infinitely more likable <laughs> than Erebus because Erebus ruined everything in a way that's just like you're just awful. You suck. Now Nagash yeah. did the same thing, but it's fun when he's doing it. <laughs> if anyone's read uh, recent, no spoilers right now, but if anyone's read re like the end and the death volume three, I hate Erebus. Oh, this Erebus comes back. No, because he kills he kills someone dearly mm. beloved and important at the end, and Aww. it's just out of nowhere. That's right, the beloved character Erda. <laughs> no, no, this is you're, you're gonna hate this. I don't know if you know the spoiler column, but you're gonna hate this. One. I, tell me when we're done. I don't wanna. I don't it wanna... makes me honestly. It makes me so. It makes me hate Erebus, <laughs> which I'm meant to do though. Yeah. Yeah, but but, um... I, I I was I remember making my video on Erebus, and I was just God. I remember at the end of that going, it's like this guy is so smarmy and like just like <laughs> yes, I'm so good. I've done everything right. Like it's just played out so good. And it's just like yeah, your face is like got carving marks around the edges where Horus. Took it off. He's like an amazing That's... chef who's made an amazing meal, but the only problem is he's made it out of one of your relatives, and it's just saying <laughs> delicious. Yeah. Like, That's my nam. Like, oh. but it tastes like, good, doesn't it? Good at what he does, yeah. and it probably tastes good, but I don't want to taste it's it. What he, oh. what he does is being awful. <laughs> See that? I guess I got to No, you first. I you had something. More I was just saying the obvious. I was gonna say like another point. So you wanna you wanna finish oh, that? I, I was gonna say like just the last thing with Nagash and Erebus. The difference is. When Erebus does it, it's this slimy, weaselly plan to ruin everything. And when Nagash does it, he's just like, uh, 10,000 skeletons. Uh, fuck you. <laughs> it's it's the scale of it. There's He can be a treacherous weasel, but for the most part, it's like he's a go big or go home kind of fellow. Yeah, he's not Nagash is not lying. He'll straight up tell you, I'm going to murder your entire... I... <laughs> Like civilization, yeah, he's honest. And I'll feel, about what's and I'll feel amazing doing it. He's honest about what's coming, and what's coming is death. And he, yeah, he's just like, thank you. Yeah, as the boyfriend says, he's just Nagash Nagash just Nagashes everywhere. Nagashes over the setting. <laughs> just, he gets it. I'll just say, yeah, I'll finish on the last point, which I think is the very obvious link between these two is that they're basically ancient Egypt. If it was not obvious now, just for oh. You're, yeah. who are like listening just on audio the iconography the kind of well much more the tomb king the, the tomb kings are very much like a carbon copy of everyone here yeah. played rome rome total rome total war the first one uh, I, yeah, they, yeah they they the tomb kings play like that just the sphinx can come alive and beat someone up <laughs> my favorite part of rome total war one was that well it's not called one but just rome total war was that 
the Egyptians in that were like the <laughs> <laughs> the ancient Egyptians, like Bronze Age, but then it was of the um what's the start date of Rome one? I think it's like two seventy BC. Yeah, because it's just before the car well one of the Carthaginian wars, one of the um Yeah, it's right before the Punic Wars started. Oh Punic Wars, sorry. Um two seventy BC. I was right. Yeah, we haven't <laughs> had any Hannibal of it have we in that yeah because you start out with just the rome territory don't you god that's such a good game i remember i played that so much god uh yeah that's my but kind of what you're thinking of if anyone here all if, if if we can ever find one person who's played um what's it war total war troy not troy what's the recent one that came out a pharaoh i think pharaoh yeah. that's it i don't know how we all like blank that oh, game. so it's yeah. such a sad thing yeah very sad um but the ancient Egypt, even in like the gods as well, both of them, they're kind of very much just obsessed with death, even in when they were living. Although the Necrontier have made for different reasons, but I think the obsession of death sort of came from Setra in a way, didn't it? It he definitely. Oh, no, they already had the, gods of death, and they, they had, had gods, gods of death, death, and they like death was a sacred thing. But with him founding the mortuary cult and getting the possibility of immortality out there, that kicked it into overdrive of like yeah we are all about death now mostly because our leaders really want to avoid it mm. yeah but there's too bad they I, I they kind of did make the necrons their own thing luckily i think yeah, yeah. i think uh i think the way i heard it put online once was that the tomb kings are ancient egypt and the necrons are the tomb kings but not necessarily just ancient egypt like it's they copied the tomb yeah. kings, which copied ancient Egypt. Mm -hmm. So the Necrons are like a layer removed from ancient Egypt, but they have more than just ancient Egypt going up. Does that make sense? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's yeah. not a carbon copy of it. It's a copy yeah. of a copy. That's uh, fair. I think that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. And then, of um, course, uh, the last okay, great comparison. Uh, Cetra is cooler than the Sion King. I'm just, I'm just going to say it. Yeah, yeah that's true. It's true. Silent King's got no law. But all the uh, fantasy you know, characters fair. are cooler than 40k characters pretty often. I feel like. Well, to be fair, the rest of the the rest of the Tomb King, uh, sorry, the rest of the Necron roster is kind of cooler than the rest of the Tomb King roster. If you know, I, I mean, like Kalida. Um, who's the other guy? Who's Ho not the Hotep? Kotep. Um, Hotep's a different thing entirely. Kotep. Uh, I don't think they quite measure up to like Trezin or. Um, Imotech or something like that. I think they kind of hit a bit harder than again. I think Setra. It's hard because Setra is kind of in his own realm, where Setra also outshines a lot of the other things, just because he's pretty much the height of badass in the setting. Well, like you don't. You can't. Yeah. You can't really get higher. Tomb kings don't always have to be human, though. There's a dwarf tomb king that everyone thinks is a human that was just. So blessed by the gods that the power of their blessing made him short. People were talking about uh, Rupesh Seven. Yeah. People in the chat talking about their liking Erebus. Stop! Just... <laughs> I'm uh, so angry. Lawcrum's Total War stream. Possibly we could do uh, real, real Border Prince, real. real, so real. Erebus was he's he's a real one for he's that. A Border Prince says Erebus was brave enough to reach for glory. Few understood. This. Yeah, but I wish I didn't because his glory sucks. <laughs> but Erebus does it because he's self-serving, though. Like Erebus even states in his own things, he 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 thinks he's chosen by the gods, and he basically goes like, "Oh my god, me!" He's like the prom princess, like, "Oh my god," and uh, he basically 
he's kind of doing it for the reward at the end, but the Chaos Gods are definitely gone. You've kind of served your purpose now. Go away. <laughs> yeah, so he he deserves everything. Him and Nagash deserve everything that's coming to them. <laughs> um, I think, though, with that being said, we probably are, we've done, we've covered quite a lot today. So, yep. um, I think, yeah, thank you guys uh, so much for listening, for watching. Uh, it, more of Andy's pictures. I don't know what that meant to be. That Zerk like. and Oberon. Uh, for for uh, audio listeners, Andy's drawing some lovely pictures for you all to see. Uh, these are the current ones we've had up for the uh, stream. If you are listening as well, um, I know it's quite late into it, but please do give the video or um, Spotify link a like as well. It really does help sort of, you know, push out a bit more when we get to talk about more interesting topics. And uh, if you guys have more topics you want us to cover, we've got quite a few lined up in the future. We've got some more tier list ones. Don't harass us about tier list epic rap battles (laughs) because it's in the bag. We know it's coming. Okay. Um, with that being said, though, uh, thank you, Eli and Colin, for giving us a huge amount of loyalty there, and quite a lot. And we'll catch you guys all in the next one. Peace. Bye, Bye everyone. You guys. Take care. Love See you. See you next week.